Warning. Explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Episode 19. Welcome back to the Great Northeast BJJ podcast. The darkness comes to the barn. They don't let the president, the vice president, and the secretary of state fly together for a reason. That's why the darkness, Jay and I, don't get together often. Because if the plane goes down, forget it. The fate of the world, it's it's dark. In this, we talk about podcasts. We talk about fear. We talk about legends. We talk about jujitsu with Derek Stevens also known as The Darkness, first-degree black belt, show-your-roll-sponsored athlete, owner of Port City BJJ, and host of the Sharp Iron Society. As always, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, Great Northeast BJJ Podcast. You can also find us on the internet at greatnortheastbjj.com. Make sure you click on the contact button if you want to send us hate mail, love mail, questions, um, answers. We'd like answers, too. Hope you guys enjoy this one. Have a great day. Peace. Speaking normally. You want me to speak out here? Somewhere in between. In between. Okay, you will get on your knees. I'm not triggered. The fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Riddler, just a, a half a tick on this mic. Let's go. Let's, go. let's see what I do to this podcast. <laughs> make, make, <laughs> it's make it hostile. Fucking hot. You're the only one that's not hostile. What the fuck is going on here? How is that possible? What? I once was a man. I sound Great. fucking beautiful. I'll, I'll deal with it. One, two, three. Uh, One, two, three. Are we, you feel comfortable with the, the young man? You good? You talk? So way back in the day. It's a little crisper. I was Turn up, up in, the uh, treb. I was living <laughs> up in just Burlington, just Vermont. <laughs> One, two, three. And I used to get my gravy fries at Nectar's. <laughs> One, two, three. Did you say gravy fries at Nectar's? Yeah, bro. In Burlington, Vermont. Burl- I was living in the Hickok Place in Burlington, right behind Pearl Street Beverage. Yeah, it's right at the bottom of the uh, bottom of the hill. Nectar's there, right, yeah. right by South Burlington, where all the good stuff happens. Which is, which is, uh, if you ever go to Boulder, it's kind of weird because you think you're in Burlington. Same exact. One's Church Street, one's Pearl Street. Hopefully, more people with shoes on. Nah, dude, hippies, both places for sure. <laughs> Except it's colder, way colder in Burlington, obviously. But so one time, like, we're living up there, and this is like, man, 1993-ish. So I was like, I was on, what's up? Tell a story right now, Riddler. (laughs) Daddy's talking. Yeah, this is grown grown man talk right now. This seems to be a reoccurring theme on this podcast. Yeah, dude. You start a story that I'm kind of interested in. Yeah, fucking, he speaks this really up. is. I get, <laughs> I get messages. Or be like, on like an hey, awesome topic. Hey, can you finish topic? the story, dude? And I'm like, who the fuck are you? Yeah, how come, how well, come you, you never get to... Are f- recording the story? Because we're going now. Go. I don't care. What story was that? Okay. 
long, long, long time ago, in a before land the wind, Boulder. before the oh yeah. So, so if you so we're living in Burlington, and uh, Burlington, Vermont, Burlington, Vermont, right behind Pearl Street Beverage. This is 1993-ish. Um, I may or may not have had a problem with drugs and alcohol at the time. But you? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Um, is that what stunted your growth? No, nah, I was short before that, even though I did start I did start these things. It started stunted brain growth, possibly, or more than possible. Um, but so, like, I mean, I got a 17 different stories from what we did up there, but... One night it was in a blizzard. Yeah, yeah, in Burlington. Oh man, I, I was up there for a while, man. It was it was ridiculous. Like I ruined that town for a little while. Um, but like we're gonna go one night. It's a blizzard. We're going to Otter Creek Brewing Company somewhere in Vermont. I'm like, I'm not 21, that's for sure. But um, we're picking up like some type of craft beer keg before before they were even hipsters. Pre pre hipster, B H before hipster, P H P H before hipster. So we're driving that like we go through this blizzard to get to Otter Creek Brewing Company, and uh, there's this guy. I'll never forget it because it's. I was like, man, there's this guy. He's chilling. One dude waiting for us in the whole brewery, and uh, he's like folding boxes. They got a tap right there. He's drinking beer. He's like half in the bag, and so we just sat down with this guy in the middle of this blizzard. And started drinking. And I was like, this is what I want to do with my life right here. I want to be, I want to work in a brewery. Oh, I thought you meant like sit down and drink with that guy for the rest of your life. This is what I want to do. That too. (laughs) That too. Um, Then I ended up in, you know, then I had to quit drinking. Totally ruined it. You know what I like? I like these uh, revival pictures of georgie law out on the internet right yeah now. they're good yeah you who did i see you as uh was it ben franklin i was yeah apparently i th- you know apparently i thought ben franklin warrior jordans but i was doing some kind of and an apron <laughs> I, I didn't get that either. he was a printer dude he was a printer <laughs> he was a printing press um that was a good one that was from 1986 i believe those were the first ever air jordans really yeah if i had them still imagine like i could i mean yeah um Anyway, I we'll, you know, there's a lot of throwback pictures. You just got to keep them going. So, back in the studio, the Riddler's gone. Welcome to episode 19 of the Great Northeast BJJ podcast. Sensei J is back in the house. I think it's been th- three. Forever. You've been flying solo for three of them? Well, I went... 17... I don't even know. I was a guest host on the Sharp Iron Society, though, while you're gone. Wow, and yep. you're st- and you're still here to talk about it. Barely, <laughs> <laughs> barely. And then uh, and then I went and and shout out to Lee Janes. Um, we did a podcast with her. And Third place at the World Championships, in 2015, and she just retired from uh, wrestling yep. after an awesome, huge career of uh, you know being on the first women's wrestling program. Uh, many years ago, so shout out to Lee Janes and go check out that episode. Yep. Now she can focus on jujitsu. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully they're gonna come. Hopefully, I'm, I mean they're great, man. Big shout out to all the veterans out there because it's Veterans Day. Um, thank you all for your service. Yeah. Oh, shout out to my mom's mom law today. Windy day in New Hampshire. Windy day. 
tree branch breaks, falls, lands on my law's head. Today? Dude, today. She's still alive? Yeah, she's all right. She's uh, She got a shitload of stitches. Um, top of the head type Top deal? of the head, bloody. Um, she li- So she lives up in the country. She lives in the sticks. And, uh, and apparently she was outside talking to her neighbor, and it hit them both. Four-inch thick branch. Hits them both. Drills my mother. Oh, my law. I went down for the count, I think. <laughs> out cold? <laughs> uh, out no, cold? I don't know if she was out cold or not, but I guess it was really bloody. Like looked like somebody got killed. Um, and, uh, I mean, she's fine now, everybody. Don't worry. She's okay. But um, keep those letters of support. Shout, yeah, <laughs> please. Shout out to the Ossipi Fire Department and, and Ambulance and Huggins Hospital in Wolfboro for taking care of mom, Dukes, today. Um yeah, she took a she took a you know big blow to the head. These things will happen, <laughs> dude. There's lots of you can't make an omelet, man. But so she calls me up and she le- leaves a message, but she don't say nothing about being in the hospital or don't say anything. But the f- caller ID is Huggins Hospital. You know what's messed up about that? I've had the same experience. Like nobody's telling me nothing. I've had two members of my family going for surgery in the, like the last two weeks and not say a word about it. Yeah. Shout out to Al, too. Our buddy Al is getting a little operation done today. Um, hopefully, he's doing all right. Quick, quick. Listen, we got this under control, Riddler. You're not even a part of this podcast yeah, right there's now. Yeah, only, there's only three mics. Three mics. Guess, of, guess who has the mics? Yep. Me, Jay, and our guest. The Darkness. Yes. Derek Stevens. Bo- Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, showy role, sponsored athlete. Sharp Iron Society podcast host, painter. Whoa, whoa. You don't have to mention that. <laughs> yeah, leave that shit out, man. What are you doing? Dude, he paints nice things. And co-owner of the great Port City Brazilian Yeah, Jiu-Jitsu. World Traveler is now into my resume. Yeah, man. Where you been? Uh, just Thailand so far. But it's I'm pretty going, cool. I'm going to Peru in December. Um, Peru's awesome, man. I've been to Peru. I've heard I liked it a lot. Peru is awesome. Um, George has been all over. I mean, I've only been like South America. You know what I mean? I've never actually been to Europe, or but I've been all over South America. It's just like here, except the food and the language are different. So, <laughs> so it's not like here at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've actually never been to Canada though, because they won't let me in. Listen. Hey, we got all the time in the world. All man. the time in the world. Mar- marathon this. Apparently. We're easing everybody into the world of the darkness. Um, we got sponsors for this podcast still. Let's talk about them. Let's Tortuga Soap Company. If my if my mother wasn't using Tortuga Soap today, her head wouldn't be so hard. She probably would have got killed. Strong hair. Strong yeah. hair. Make your hair stronger. But it conditions as well, so that branch yeah. slid right off. Like good Vaseline on a boxer, it just slipped off the side. Went right off. Uh, thank God for Tortuga soap. You got to get me some of that charcoal stuff, man. Yeah. That's, that looked amazing, and I, I need that in my life. I was, I was promised my signature model pine tar soap oh, in, a, in a flannel-looking package. Not no, happening. Nah, we'll ne- make never, it happen. Never we'll make that happen for Continuing you. the discussion on the land of disappointment. <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> I don't want to be clumped in with the disappointment, man. <laughs> Come on. Um, Port City Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. 
Tell us about Port City Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, Jay. Only the finest place to train in New Hampshire or anywhere for that matter. Uh, we got now four black belts. Uh, our man Devin got his black belt a few weeks ago. Uh, great place to train if you're ever in the area. Stop by, hop on the mats with us. Port City. All are welcome. So Derek Stevens. Yes. Take a, take a minute. Intru- Why? Introduce yourself. Why would you want to come on here with us? Why would you want to do this to yourself? Because <laughs> uh, uh, you asked me to. You didn't have anything I, better to do? Uh, well, bed and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what would you rather be doing? Right. Sleeping. That's what usually about this time. What do you want to know? What do you want? To, what, this is your podcast. You direct us. You, I want, this, you know what I want to know? Ship. I want to know what the most embarrassing thing is you've ever done. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. I really, that, that's like, let's open up this can. The most embarrassing thing I've ever done. Yeah, that comes to your head right now. It doesn't have to be, you know, the most, but. Oh, it, I like, I, you shouldn't back it off should that be the question. most, yeah. I mean, Um, So, <laughs> I don't know if this is the most embarrassing thing I've ever done, but when you think about those things back in your life and you're like, ugh, I wish I wouldn't have done that. When I was like in the third grade, <laughs> we had to, it was like, we took, I don't know if it was dry ice or something and you stuck it in a Dixie cup and then poured wax in it and stuck a wick in it and you made a candle and then you dressed it up for Christmas. Of course, mine came out like shit because that's <laughs> usually what happens. And the kid next to me, his came out awesome. So I was fucking around like, oh, I'm going to break it because yours came out so good. And lo and behold, I broke it on accident. And it was one of those things where you're just like, so to this day, I still look back and I'm like, oh. I'm feel such a dick. I'm feel such bad. a dick. You know what? My, my so that was, that's, that's the only thing that comes to mind. You know what's funny about that? You think about like, oh, I remember that guy. When or, I was like in the third grade. Are, are you are you friends with that kid on Facebook? I actually think that that kid is dead now. Oh, man. He went into yeah. candle manufacturing <laughs> and fell in a vat of hot wax. I don't know. I don't know. I, I remember, well, funny story about that kid was when we were in high school, he had like a... Like a Camaro or something like that, like a nineteen ninety Camaro. Camaro, like <laughs> when they sucked, and he power slid around the corner and hit like six cars in the park. Oh, <laughs> that sucks. When you're in high school, same kid. Oh man. So maybe he needed a lesson taught to him. Oh, maybe I was the fucking catalyst for his shitty behavior for the rest of his yeah. life. I don't know. What the hell. You know what's funny? What's funny about that is you think sometimes like, oh, maybe I'll look that guy up and be like, hey, sorry about your candle, man, but. The, you know the way those conversations go. Like as soon as you answer the phone, be like, "Hey, man, I've always wanted." Like that instantly, that person feels like they're part of some ten-step program. You know what I mean? I've been there, son. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't get my apology. <laughs> I didn't know you when I was drinking, dude. Anything I've done now is tough shit. <laughs> I did have to go apologize to my dad one time about something. Like I did when I was in junior high. I think like he was off working all the time and like. He was down on Cape Cod, and uh, me and my buddy, we thought we were going we to try to take his Jeep out and drive it. Neither one of us had licenses. I don't even think either one of us could drive standard. And so getting it out of my garage, he had a soft top, and we broke the door handle on the soft top. And we're like, oh, fuck, man. What are we going to do? So I, glue the, I glued it back together because I'm an idiot in junior high. And that'll work, right? I glued it probably, yeah, like it worked for like three seconds. He gets home from the Cape where he's working construction, goes to get in the Jeep, snap, instantly breaks the handle off. 
I'm like shitting bricks. And uh, he had just been in the, it had, the Jeep had been in the shop like before he went. And he's like, fucking guys at the shop must have did that. I was like, yeah, fucking guys at the shop did that. And he never knew I did it. And but if you are playing this off as your most embarrassing No, no, story, no, no, not even close. <laughs> this just reminded me because we're talking about, uh, talking about whatever, like, you know, making amends. Yep. So years later, I go to him and I was like, "Hey, man, you know, you remember when you I broke? You know, remember when that door handle broke?" And he's like, "Nah, I don't even remember it." I was like, "Well, it was me," and uh, and he didn't even remember it. But once he found out it was me, he got pissed. He's like, "How could you do that? Like, what were you thinking?" I was like, "Wait a minute, you don't even remember this. <laughs> like, how, you can't be mad at me." I uh, the the only story I have like that is when I was like 16 years old. Uh, my parents, I was living at my house and my parents had this guy that was doing woodwork and this guy had been really cool to me. He's a, like a badass skier and he like, he would, you know, he and a couple other guys would head up skiing and he invited me and my brothers to go up skiing and stuff. And it was, we'd go up with him and it's like, it was awesome. Nicest guy on the planet. I'm playing soccer in my driveway and, uh, I plowed a soccer ball aiming for my garage door. Cause remember like that was basically, you know, the backstop of everything when you were a kid, everything you play wiffle ball. It's like played in front of the garage door, and but I missed the garage door and hit the front of his truck and <laughs> broke the grill on his pickup <laughs> truck. Damn, you got a powerful kick! And someone came to me, uh, like one of the guys that works with him. He's like, "Hey, did you, uh, you know, some? He saw you playing over there. Did you happen to like hit his truck with anything? Like, you know, because he was pretty bummed about it. I guess like the replacement part was like fifty bucks. I was like, no, no." <laughs> So Dan Crane, if I ever see a man, I owe you fifty bucks. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta find him. We gotta yeah, find this next guy. guest on the podcast. I'm right. sure he's on Facebook. How'd you uh, How'd you get into jujitsu, man? Uh, so, like any good story, it starts with a girl. Yep. Oh my! Uh, so I, was I like, didn't know you were into them. By the way, I'm married. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, she she will remain nameless, and because it, it wasn't my wife. Um, oh boy! So before jujitsu, I was uh, I don't know, I don't know how. Like I was just not a confident kid. Not, um, you know, didn't really know what was going on. So I ended up hooking up with this chick who had a she had like just broken up with her boyfriend or whatever, and there was like this big drama fest or whatever, and. Because I think because of the drama, I got super attached. And lo and behold, like, we move in together and all this stuff, and we break up. And I'm pretty – like, I have no proof, whatever, but, like, it was one of those things where I'm pretty sure she was cheating on me and stuff like that. Right. So I was a fucking mess. I was, like, drinking all the time, like, just not in a good place. I mean, but I was, like, I was like 21, like, fucking brokenhearted 21-year-old, you know, thinking it was love or whatever. So I move in with these, my, these two friends from high school, and one of them – starts fighting MMA and he had like two MMA fights and so, like one day I'm sitting on the couch and I'm getting ready to fucking pour a fucking <laughs> screwdriver or something like that on a, on a Tuesday at like, like three o'clock and he's like why don't you come fucking work out and I'm like what and he's like yeah just fucking you watched UFC like why don't you come train some MMA so I'm like fine so I go over there and like Bye. I fucking does he still train no he does not. I've tried to get him to come do jujitsu, but he's just not into it. Um, but like, I got into the whole like 
we, we did some grappling first and I like really took to it. It was really like, cause I've always been one of those kids. I've always been a mover, you know what I mean? I always wanted to wrestle with my fucking friends when I was a kid and right. all that stuff. Like, a rough house too. Right. And, uh, so like the, re- the, the, the grappling aspect of it came pretty easily. And then we started doing some striking and like, that was fun or whatever. And, but I wasn't really into it, you know, it was, but it was kind of like this makeshift MMA gym. Like the guy who running it wasn't really like, didn't know what he was doing and all this stuff. So as my friend is getting ready for his next MMA fight, uh, the guy running it brings Trevor Stone in to help yes. help uh, help my my roommate get ready for his fight. And I was talking to him. And I'm like, yeah, you know, like I didn't really know about Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, but I, like because of the grappling in MMA, I'm like, all right, these guys are Brazilian Jiu Jitsu black belts. Like, let's look up Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. So I started looking up that and kind of got down the rabbit hole a little. And I was telling Trevor, I'm like, yeah, you know, I'd like to try to train with the gi, but like only one guy here has ever trained with the gi on and he was kind of a douchebag and i didn't like want to like like my i didn't want to get beat up you know what i mean like i was like i don't i want to learn some stuff so trevor was like oh lo and behold like we're having a an open house at seacoast mma or bjj and mma on friday if you want to come in so on friday i go in place is packed you know i'm talking to trevor or whatever and he's like let me introduce you to jim deluca and i'm like all right so i go over and i meet jim and jim's like all right he's like I teach on because he was only teaching Monday and Thursday at the time. He's like, I teach on Monday and Thursday. Do you have a gi? He's like, Nope. All right, I'll bring you one. I show up on Monday, sign all the paperwork. It was seventy five bucks a month at the time. I throw the gi on, and Jim was forty nine at the time. I was twenty two. I weighed as much as I do now, but I was a slob because I'd been (laughs) drinking and shit. And uh, Jim beat the shit out of me like he like it was like regular class like he warmed up i almost puked during the warm-ups we drilled i was super tired and then at the end of it he's like hey you want to roll i'm like yeah and i remember he like had me whipping through the air like whatever <laughs> like he fucking beat the shit out of me and it was a common reaction i was like i don't like this i don't like the fact that this 49 year old man <laughs> is 175 pounds can beat the shit out of me and um, effortlessly yeah so i started going i mean like everyone else you know i start going those Tuesdays and Thursdays that Jim only Jim taught, and I was still doing a little nogi with that MMA crew. And then I remember I went on oh, like a Thursday or a, or a, I can't remember what day it was, but Jim was out, so Tony Pombazano taught class, and he was actually teaching on Wednesday there. And he was like, "So you teach, train on Tuesday and Thursday, but you don't come to my class?" And I'm like, "Well, I didn't know there was like he's like, yeah, come train on Wednesday." So then I started doing Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then. Some random Wednesday, Tony Palmazano was out. So Troy taught, and he's like, "Yeah, we do catch wrestling on Friday night." So I'm like, "He's like, why don't you come train? It's the same thing as jujitsu almost, but we don't do it with the gi on." And I'm like, "All right." So then I started training Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. Oh, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And uh, <clears throat> after I, I started to get really into it, I'm like, I you know approached Joe. Or, or no, there was an in-house tournament down in Boston first one they ever had i went down there did pretty well met roberto and pags and uh roberto was like and i was like yeah i want to take some private lessons and get better at this and roberto you know being the nice guy that is like why don't you just come down here and train first right and then take some private lessons after that so then i started training because there was no jujitsu on tuesday and saturday at um seacoast so i would train monday in portsmouth tuesday in boston 
Wednesday in Portsmouth, Thursday in Portsmouth, Friday in Portsmouth, Saturday, Saturday in Boston, Boston, and then take Sunday off. That, sat- that Saturday class, I-, I still maintain, was the best training consistently that I've ever had. Saturday and then and then the open mat afterwards, that used to be so, like, the single-handedly the best day to train Well, ever. the funny thing was that, like, so I started October 2nd, 2007, and I think that Jay... And that crew, Pags, you know, Pell, all those guys got their black belt like the next Saturday after I started. That's really fucked up. So then, <laughs> so then, like, but it was awesome because I got the tail end of when all you guys were still there on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And like, it was just like, and I, meanwhile, like, I'm a white belt going with Jim to the advanced class and then staying for open mat afterwards. So I'm a white belt, like, literally. And I mean, that I mean, Pags was a legend at the time, you know, and all all you guys were were training with him and keeping up with him, you know what I mean. And Kenny had, uh, Kenny would come around every now and then, you know what I mean. Like he wasn't right. there all the time, but he would show up. And like I had when he was on the Ultimate Fighter, like this is after he was on. I had no idea he was any good at jujitsu. Like I was like, he's just some kid from Boston. And then like, you know, everyone's like, you don't know that Kenny's good at jujitsu, you know what <laughs> I mean? Like so then like he would show up, and I'm like, oh, that's Kenny Fluin, the kid from the Ultimate Fighter, and he would just fucking beat the shit out of people. You know, and Keith would come around. Steve Kim would come around every now and then. Yeah. Um, you know, I think he was in. Steve was. He'd come by every now. He was. He moved to New York for school or something like that. So, but, the, but, but I got the I got the tail end of like the last like probably year and a half of two years of that Saturday class being epic, and I was there every Saturday for like two years. So like I no matter. I mean, I can remember like um, I forget like like legends would show up that i didn't know were legends and like because they were in town for like a seminar or something and wanted to get some training and like i think like i like the first time i ever heard of merlo santana was he showed up in boston to train on a saturday and like trained and he like he beat the shit out of everybody and i was like who the oh, yeah. fuck is this guy and then he's one of the, also one of those guys who are like still to this day like he could walk into a lot of ca- academies and people don't know who he is but he was like on my radar since that day. Like, but stuff like that would happen all the time. Yep. You know what I mean? Wasn't like, Hodger Gracie teaching at Boston for a while? He was. He was there for like a week and a half. But the funny part was, he, he didn't. Uh, I think he taught most of the classes. He but wasn't he a just, black belt then, right? He was a brown belt. He was like eighteen. Um, and but he would just be there to train like everybody else. Leo Vera did the same thing. Came down for a seminar, but trained the day before and the day after, and would just hang out and train like you could be like want to roll and he'd be like yes yeah so i caught i caught that kind of the, the tail end of that which was pretty epic what was so awesome about saturday class i, I think it, that time it was because so many you know that was a big class of guys that got promoted to black belt the same and they were time. all really good yeah, there were some really good guys in there, like Tadashi's in that in that group, and uh, John Brooks, and John Brooks, and obviously Pags. Yeah, uh, Steve Medina was in there. Mike Pellegrino was in there. He got his black belt like twenty minutes last. After we did last, but <laughs> I think part of it was that it's a little bit different now because these guys got their black belt singularly. You know what I mean? They got you know they got them when they got them. We all. We came up training together, so we were all we would all train the same days. So on Saturday there'd be whatever eight black belts on the mat, just training and hanging out and with everybody. Like that was the way Saturday was. Like there was class, and then it was open mat, 
And I think that's like when so many of the best techniques got traded and like, oh, this is what I do. A lot of hard training, but a lot of sharing of information too and like drilling shit. And like that was, you know, and it's funny when you when you think about that, like it was you had started briefly before that and I got my black belt and like you now that you've been training for so long, you can point to certain points in your jujitsu life where lots of things changed for you, whether it was in your life or whether it was in your jujitsu. And for me, that time, like my jujitsu changed a lot during like brown belt and black belt. That's the, the belt level is how I distinguish time for sure. It's like right. still this day, I'm like, what belt was I when that, Oh, that was this year because I was this belt and this is what was going on. Um, right. yeah. I mean, I can remember like, I would go down on a Saturday, like, and this is like once I got my blue belt, so I felt a little more comfortable going down to the advanced class by myself. Like when I was a white belt, I would only go with Jim because mm-hmm. it was like he was my in, you know what I mean? Yep. And I w- like wouldn't dare show up as a white belt to the advanced class, but when I once I got my blue belt, I would show up. I would take the the advanced class on Saturday. I would. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Come on, quit it! You're gonna make me laugh. Uh there was no laughter on this podcast. Uh, so I would completely uh, natural. Right. Um, anyway, I would uh, I would train the advanced class, and then during the beginning half of open mat, I would train. I would take a private with Pags for an hour and a half, and then for the last half hour, he would be like, "Yeah, roll with this guy. Roll with this guy. Roll with this guy." And it was like obvious. It was like all the toughest guys. You know what I mean? So like, I would say for till I like pretty much until we opened. Port City, I was there on Saturday, oh, well, and then Pags moved to California. But right. until the time he moved to California, I trained every Saturday either. I mean, and I, I mean, I, I couldn't afford taking a private, every, but I would take two privates a month. You know what I mean? So two out of the four Saturdays, I would be taking a private and be training, like get like six hours of training in. Isn't it funny that if you had it, money was no object at that time? Right. You like... You know, when Marcio would be there or Leo would be there or Henzo would be there, it would be like if he was doing privates, you were doing one. If he could have said it was 500 bucks, I would have been like, yeah, figure it out. Yeah, I'll, fig- I'll figure it out. I mean, I can remember. I'm So at the time, I was driving a fucking 1999 F-150. And I, I think when, between when I started jujitsu and when I gave that thing to my dad, I think I put, you know, 200,000 miles on it driving from because I was living in Berwick, Maine driving to I saw and I kind of and I've kind of gotten back to that lately because we moved but I would drive from my house in Berwick to the seacoast to work which and don't ask me why I did this drive all the way home eat take a shower grab my gi drive all the way back to Portsmouth train go home holy shit and then yeah, on, tu- on Tuesday and thir- on Tuesday and Saturday I would drive from my house in Burke to Boston and back. You know what right. I mean? So I, I like, and that thing's not cheap on gas. You know what I mean? So right. I, I've, I mean, in my jujitsu, I spent so much money on jujitsu. I think <laughs> I think a lot of like just getting there. People, right. people like you know. There's a lot of like Gianni told stories about how we would travel really far. It's amazing what people will do to get like once they get hooked. Like amazing what people will do. And the other thing I was gonna say that's really interesting about you training a lot with pags back in the day is that like over the last year or two your turn like your change in focus to be like i want to strengthen my nogi game and i want to strengthen my wrestling 
which is real like at that time that's what Pags was doing. He like basically took off the gain. All he was doing was no gain and lots and lots of wrestling. Yeah. Like so much of his sweeps and stuff were based on switches and things like that. It's so right. it, it I'm not like I'm not giving Pags credit for anything you did, but I think it's interesting that way back then you know what I mean? And now you've made a similar transition. I think that's what kind of drew me to PAX too, is because we're, we're kind of built the same. You know what I mean? Like kind of the same height, same like proportions, whatever. And like, I mean, and it was kind of luck of the draw. I went down there on a Saturday and was like, yeah, I want to take some private lessons. And he was the one that was teaching. You know what I mean? So I was yeah. like, well, you're here. Let's do a private lesson. And he was like, yeah. And that's kind of just who I stuck with, you know? Right. But it was kind of, it was. You could do worse. Right. <laughs> Definitely. But I mean, it, he was the man at the time, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The only, the only reason. That, you know, he didn't at that point, you know, go on to things like Abu Dhabi and, you know, he, uh, you know, he got hurt and he hurt his back and he stopped training so much that he moved to California and kind of at, at that point, I, I think he's training a lot more now, but he was crushing everybody, everybody, you know. The greatest um, thing that he, like one, so one, <laughs> I was training him for, for a long time, like, like I said, like from probably middle white belt till I till he moved to California and uh one day he fucking he beat the shit out of me like just beat the shit out of me like it, it was one, like there's only two times I ever wanted to really quit jujitsu one was rolling with him and the other time was rolling with Admar Barbosa we can talk about that too if you want but uh, <laughs> oh yeah but uh he beat and I'm like man I'm like I feel like you beat the shit out of me today and he's like maybe I had to try a little harder and I'm like you know, and they, I, and I'm like, all right. And he's like, and then the other thing, he's like, don't worry. He's like, I do that to black belts. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I feel better, I guess, about it now. So, like, but yeah, he, like, yeah. You know what's funny about that, too, is I we I feel like we have that conversation when people kind of, I feel like, uh, I won't mention his last name, but Josh, you know, now he's gotten so, so much better. So when you roll with him, like, I know things aren't going good for you in the role anymore, but it's because... I can't just sleep on you anymore. You know what I mean? You've gotten to a point a point technically where if I sleep, I'm going to get my fucking ass kicked. So, you know, I have to roll harder. So it's kind of a compliment when you think of it that way. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, we talked about that when George was on our podcast, about how, like, it's kind of your duty to uh, to give someone a, a hard roll. You know what I mean? That's, that's, that's the responsibility you're taking on when you, when you are someone's training partner is to give them a, a – to respect them enough – and and want them to get good enough training that you're going to give them at least a competitive role. You know what I mean? For so sure. I think that's like one thing that I always try to do is or, or with those guys that are like I, I give them as much as they need. You know what I mean? Right. It's tough. The gauge is difficult. Like with some like sometimes it's you know you feel like maybe I pushed it a little bit too hard, and other times maybe I babied it too hard, but it's. For them to always, for everything to be difficult in the role, you know what I mean? It's yeah, and I mean, it's, you're playing kind of a lot the, the the law of averages there. You know what I mean? If, if if you're giving them what they need most of the time, that's good enough. Good enough. How has your life changed? Like, I mean, you st- how old were you when you started jujitsu? Twenty two. So my birthday is the twelfth of October. I started on October second, and I was like, so I had just turned twenty three when I like. So I started when I was 22. Ten days later, I was 23. How old are you now? 32. So. Nine years. I mean, what do you think? What, what is it done anything for you? Is it like 
You, Say no. You know yeah, what I mean? Right? Has it helped you or? <laughs> um, I mean, to be real honest. In life, you think? I mean, yeah. I mean, before I started jiu-jitsu, I mean, we talked, I mean, I was a totally different person. You know? I, mean, I was, a, uh, you know, thought I was a tough guy and quickly found out I wasn't. Um, you know, I wasn't very confident uh, for whatever reason, you know, and it's weird because like my parents are fucking awesome you know they've always told me and that like that's kind of the reason the academy i mean for a number of reasons why the academy is because they're always like you know whatever you're going to do do it as best of your ability and we'll support you 100 percent. so it's never been like they've been like no you can't do that or whatever um but yeah i was just a totally different person you know um jujitsu has toughened me and made me uh realize how much i can take and it's quite a bit um <laughs> it's uh I mean, honestly, I mean, it's given me everything, you know. Um, I met my wife through a mutual friend that did jujitsu. you know what I mean? Um, I don't know how many friends that don't do jujitsu, and if they're friends that didn't do jujitsu, they do jujitsu now, you know. Right. Um, I don't, I mean, jiu-jitsu is all I really got, you know what I mean? I, I mean, I own a house, and I, uh, you know, I'm married, and things like that, but a lot of that is because of jujitsu, you know, jujitsu has afforded me, you know, the ability to do those things. It's afforded me a lot of things. Um, I don't know, but I mean, I heard a quote one time from Henzo Gracie said, you know, like, uh, you could take his house away and all his clothes away and he'd live in the academy and only wear a gi. That's where I'm at. You know what I mean? You could do that. I mean, I would clearly do that. I don't think my wife would like it very much, but (laughs) I, I mean, I would, I would do that in a second, you know? Um, it's just is really i mean it's the glue that has held it's the, it's the glue that holds the pieces that people have made me you know what i mean like my parents have kind of made me who i am there have been some in, influential teachers when i was in high school that kind of molded me a little bit i have you know some relatives some friends some things like that that have have given me pieces to who i am and jujitsu is the thing that keeps that all together it's the it's the lens that i see life through you know so i mean it's everything it's everything. It's giving me everything. Well, that's a great podcast. Thanks a lot. Yep. <laughs> I you know what's funny about that is that it's not really funny, but um there's there's something about it that I mean for you know, we've made a, a business out of it now and so there's money is involved, but in in and it's for the reason you do jujitsu, it doesn't give you anything material back. There's no you know, I don't, you know, really get, you don't get money. You don't get uh, an easier life. You don't get, you know what I mean? It's it's immaterial, but it's so valuable at the same time. I, I think it was Cron Gracie that said, like, if you offered me $10 million for my jujitsu, I would say no in a second without even thinking about it. Right. Because you have something that's so special and it mean, and it's so valuable to you that basically you wouldn't, you'd have to kill, you'd have to kill you to get it away from you. You know what I mean? Also, yep. that time, if you made jujitsu illegal, I'd be a criminal, <laughs> right? Without a doubt, rolling in the underground. Yeah, I'd be. You, you have to lock me up to stop me from doing it. Vigilante jujitsu. What? Uh, so you got super into CrossFit pretty recently. Like, what about that? Is there similarities? Like, what about? Holy shit! What about these two things? You know what I mean? Uh, so I feel like I did get into super into CrossFit. Um, I would say I do less CrossFit now, and I do my strength and conditioning in a CrossFit gym. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's kind of how I've gone. But I think, like, I mean, 
I've, what's be, the difference? What's uh, there's a fucking ton of differences. I mean, I think the biggest difference between a CrossFit gym and a Jiu-Jitsu gym is there's still a lot of ego in a CrossFit gym. You know what I mean? Like I've met a lot of really good people who are really physically gifted and really um, uh, special athletes in CrossFit gyms where you're like, wow, like you do some amazing things with your body and all that stuff. And they're still complaining about why they're not beating you enough. You know what I mean? In jujitsu, a win's a win. Right. You know what I mean? And I think you're, 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 that's the thing about jujitsu is I try to like tell people this. Um, you when you lose in jujitsu, there's a million reasons why you might lose. You might lose because you aren't in good enough shape. You might lose because your technique isn't good enough. You might lose because you're trying something you're not good at. You might lose because you know you're trying to help that other person get better, so you're giving them position, or whatever. But at the end of the day, the reason you lost is because that other person was better at whatever they were doing. Right. You know what I mean? You might not be great at a technique and they might be giving you their best stuff that they're, you know what I mean? So there's a mismatch in, in technique. You know, I'm a black belt, but there's definitely some techniques I'm not good at where, you know, George's a purple belt. So if I'm doing the techniques that I'm not good at and George is doing the best techniques he knows as a purple belt, George is going to beat me. You know right. what I mean? Yep. And that's a realization you come to really fast in jujitsu is like, for, when it comes down to brass tacks, the other the reason that you lost is because the other person was better that day or at that moment, you know. And in CrossFit, it's not like that, right? You know what I mean? It's like, oh, I did. You know, you look at the games, the CrossFit games. The guy who went, I mean, it's a little different this year because Matt Fraser fucking had a trip on his shoulder and decided he was going to win everything. But the, <laughs> I mean, you look at Rich Froning. How many events does he win in each CrossFit games? Two, three. Right. There's fifteen events. So it's not like he's winning every time. He's he's he's, he's in the mix in all of them. Well, that's the that. thing too is like, and that's like the problem I have with like my own strength and conditioning and my own strength and conditioning. Like I talked to my my strength and conditioning coach about this. Is I'm like I don't know how am I supposed to make this suck as bad as possible, or am I supposed to pace this so I can finish the workout? Well, guess what? In jujitsu, you don't get to choose. Right. right. Someone else dictates, especially if you're not as good or the other person is technically more proficient, you don't get to choose the pace. Right. And you have to live with the pace of someone else's control. That's like when people, when people in CrossFit ask me, like, oh, what's jujitsu like? I'm like, all right, you're going to get on that assault bike. And, <laughs> and George has had some I've experience been there. with the assault bike. I've been there. But, ruined me. But you don't get to choose how fast you get to pedal. I'm right. going to choose how fast you get to pedal. And if you feel like your leg is going to fall off, Tough shit. Tough yeah. shit. Keep pedaling. Yeah. And that's and that's what jujitsu is like. The round's not over for another five minutes. Right. So, so we got kind of a new guy training with us this week and like he's a big strong dude and he's like we he I trained tonight with him and he came at me super hard and with no fuel economy. You know what I mean? Like just brought it to me. <laughs> brought this brought it to me for one minute and thirty seconds and then died. And like I got on top of him. And he's like, I gotta take a break. I'm exhausted. I was like, No, 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 dude. That's you not just the way brought this game it. Works. Yeah, yeah, you're not gonna opt out now, bro. Like, you're gonna have to suffer a little bit there because is, you shouldn't have brought it like that if you weren't willing to pay the price. Yep. In my mind, at that moment, you know and what you, I mean. Like, but you'll learn. Know. He'll learn, and that's fine. It's okay for him not to do the right. There's etiquette involved, but basically, there's there's not a whole it lot. Doesn't mean there's I not don't a, think. there's not a whole lot worse etiquette than you could do on the mat is to have a hard roll with someone and be getting the better of them, 
And then right. when and then when th- your things are going good, things are going good, and we're still rolling. And then you sweep and pass, and now that like ah. Dude, I need a break. It's like, fuck you. Yeah, uh-uh. No, no. We're going to keep going. Yeah, I mean, you can't. I, I just don't, I, you know. That's, I mean, it wasn't. That's my favorite game to play with my non-jujitsu friends. Is they're like, oh, yeah, I want to wrestle. And I'm like, all right, we'll wrestle. But we stop when I want to stop, not when you want to stop. And that, right. that usually right there, they're like, no, I'm good. <laughs> that's, yeah, it's like, you know, I'm going to do whatever I want. But as soon as I'm done, I'm not going to, you know, as soon as something turns for the worst, I'm not letting you. And, th- you know, I'm giving up 75, 50, 75 pounds, maybe maybe 50 pounds, I guess. Right. I was like, no, dude. It's like you keep going. Right. Like, you're still moving. Right. I mean, I... I Be going till the we walked. We walked through some stuff after that, but, like, you're not going to, you know, you're going to learn. You know what I noticed on the on the CrossFit piece? Like, when... I, I've almost never done... Occasionally, like, on a Saturday, I'll go in with Liz and I'll do the regular class, but... The and the workouts are so unbelievably different. Like I don't do any snatching. I don't do like any of those things. Like all of it is core strength and conditioning. Like really heavy push and pull. Like like I've seen your workouts. You're doing the same kind of stuff. CrossFit is a different beast altogether. It's, it's um. The, I think the thing that people forget about CrossFit or the or the, the misconception about CrossFit, and this is kind of why I've I've changed my my thinking on it is. CrossFit's its own sport. You know, it started as a modality to work out, and it started as a modality of fitness, but it has morphed into its own sport. So when you go in there and you see the workout of the day, you know, you may be, you know, competing to beat yourself, but it's its, its own sport. There's, there's skills you have to acquire. There's certain things you have to, you know, like get proficient at and 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 things you have to recognize, you have to figure out how you're going to pace it. You got to know yourself so that you know that like, all right, I'm really good at this. So I'm going to go this hard, but I'm not good at this. Or, you know, this is where I'm going to get my rest, yada, yada, yada. You know what I mean? And that's, I think a misconception of the general public when they're like, Oh, like these people are, you shouldn't be doing Olympic lifts for high repetitions, whatever. Well, yeah, you know what? I shouldn't be fucking running full blast into another man with a helmet on either, but guess what? (laughs) You fucking are. You know what I mean? Like I, I can't talk shit about the injuries in CrossFit because my whole life is based around One trying, big injury. Yeah, trying yeah. to hurt someone else or, and not get hurt. You right. know what I mean? And jujitsu, you're constantly hurt. But that's what that's where the when that's when I kind of really made the switch from doing CrossFit to doing strength and conditioning in a CrossFit gym. That's a, that's a huge difference. Huge you know, difference. I don't yeah. do any high repetition for volume and speed Olympic lifts anymore. I don't do any muscle ups. I don't do, you know, a lot of things because it's diminishing returns. You know, doing muscle ups is a skill and to, you got to acquire that skill. And if you don't do muscle ups correctly with skill, you know, you're going to hurt your elbows. Well, you know, I, I've done three muscle ups my whole life and then decided, you know what? I've done them. I know how to do them. I know I can do them. I figured out the, the economy of motion, whatever, but there's, it's just not worth the elbow pain Right. To and get what are you good gain- at them. What are you gaining for what you're really going after? It's it's like a kipping pull up. It's like, well, I could do kipping pull ups and the cows come home, but if I do strength like uh strict pull ups, I'm getting way more out of that for the reason that I'm training to get my strength and conditioning. You know what I mean? That a kipping pull up is only just an easier way to do a pull up if you can't do strict pull ups. If you're after strength, you should be doing strict pull ups. Right. What's the point what's the point of of 
the kipping pull up if you're if you're if your goal is strength and conditioning. Right. But you know the one of the things that's definitely the same is the humbling nature of walking in there for the first time and figuring out just oh, how su- unfit you are. It's super intimidating. It's it's a it's a a, a dose of reality for sure. Oh, I yeah. mean that there are a ton of similarities, you know, and like the sense of community, you know, if you like I walk in somewhere with a jiu-jitsu sweatshirt on and someone else is there with a jiu-jitsu sweatshirt on, you automatically have something to talk about. So same idea, you know, you walk into somewhere with a CrossFit t-shirt on and if someone else with a CrossFit t-shirt on, you automatically have something to talk about. You know, it's a healthy community. Yep. Um, you know, the, especially the CrossFit gym I go to, it's, um, you know, everyone there is awesome and they're always doing things that like promote that kind of healthy lifestyle, doing healthy things outside of the, the CrossFit box, kind of like we do outside the academy, you know, um, you know, going on hikes and, and planning camping trips and, and, you know, paddleboard, kayak, you know, all that stuff. They do. They well, We're not going on a camping trip with you. There's no way. I'm not going <laughs> in the woods with you. We had a great trip. Remember the thing we did up in uh, one Acadia? Of us, one of us isn't coming out. That was a great uh, little trip. Maybe we should do that again sometime. But but that's, I would, say, cool. I would say that's, that's the, uh, the, the common out. I mean, and like I said, I mean, I know it sounded like I was shitting on a little bit with the, the the not humbleness, but there is some of that. But the other thing too is like, like I said, it's a sport in itself, and there's a lot of really skilled athletes that do CrossFit. You know what I mean? I mean, for sure. And, I mean, and they're in, and there's no doubt they're in really good shape, and that they are, you know, uh, they're. And we've had some CrossFitters that have come and done jujitsu, and the one thing you notice is that they are aware of their body; they know how to move. You know, it. it yep. I would never tell anybody to not do CrossFit. Definitely not. And it, it's like you talk about mobility. There's such a stress on mobility when you do CrossFit that you. Uh, it one of the great things about adding that style of workout to your jujitsu, whether you do like like we do, which is a different. You're on a program that's specifically for your goals, but there's such a stress on mobility, which jujitsu just has never had. Scientifically, no one's ever. You think about since you started jujitsu, who's ever been like you should stretch a lot and you should mobilize your shoulders and your back and your. Well, I think one thing that like is lost in a lot of jujitsu people, and that's one thing that's really made a huge difference in in my just my overall health is whatever is like. You ask a jujitsu player what the thoracic spine is, and they don't have any idea. You know what I mean? Uh, Right. They know it hurts. Well, yeah. So now, now you go and into CrossFit, and you're expected to do all these overhead movements, and you can't get your arms over your head straight. Right. And they're like, "What the fuck?" And I'm like, "Well, I sit there with my feet and my head in the air." I'm like, "Oh, you have the tightest thoracic spine I've ever seen in my whole life. You need to do something about that." So that, I mean, that alone is worth its weight in the the CrossFit experience. You know. Yep. I always thought, you know, there were parts of me that were immobile, and then I found out what my shoulders were like. Right. There is a lie, I feel like, that permeates jujitsu, and it's like, do jujitsu. It'll make you, like, more flexible and, like, I don't know, man. Like, unless you work on your flexibility, I feel like I'm what you're saying. Like, some, like I, I'm, like, I think that the, the, the fitness aspect of jujitsu is on a bell curve. Really. It, and, and, and it's the same thing with, like, weight loss. Like you start really low, so I mean the weight loss bell curve and the fitness bell curve go in opposite directions. So you start in really bad shape, really heavy, and then you start to get in shape to do jujitsu, 
and you start to lose weight for a number of reasons. One is you're being more active. Two, you're thinking about what you're going to eat because you don't want to puke while you're doing jujitsu. But also, <laughs> if you're at all interested in competing, you try to get as light as humanly possible. So now your fitness bell curve is going up. Your weight loss and diet is going down. They kind of meet in the middle. And then once you get to a certain point, you're like, well, I'm way too light and I feel like shit. Or I'm getting so good at jujitsu that I'm not really getting a good workout anymore. And then it goes back the other way. So as you get better at jujitsu, you tend to gain a little weight because you know where you can rest and all that stuff. Yep. And your fitness level goes down because same reason you can rest and whatever. Maybe you're not competing as much because you got a little older, you know, whatever the reason is. But those two things run on a bell curve. So I think the trick is to kind of figure out where you're comfortable on the top bell curve and then keep that bell, the, the bottom bell curve going up still instead of coming back down this is it's a really good point that was pretty that was really well put i the uh as you know people that are that are all three of us are are teaching a lot and you're right what happens is you get a certain level of jujitsu and then you get pretty fit and you can push a pace and you can do these things and it gets hard to you still get a good workout, but it's not like it used to be. It's not like you'd like drag yourself off you're, the mat. That doesn't really happen. You're anymore. pedaling the bike now instead of someone else's. Right. And so, uh, you know, I was talking to someone about, uh, you know, how, like what that means and how if you really, if you want to go back to that, you have to change as, as the person that's teaching the class and kind of trying to guide the way, you have to train a little bit differently. And it's a really fine balance between getting your own personal training in and making sure you're teaching the right way, it's it's really, really hard. I I, I I tend to sacrifice my own training for teaching the class the right way more. That's where I lean most of the time too, but uh if there's if there's even numbers and someone and people don't want to sit out, I never roll. Which is not a good thing. For mean, my own jujitsu, but I, I mean I always sacrifice my own training. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm not. I'm getting paid to be there. I'm not. It's kind of the rule, right? right. Like they're paying know, to be there. You know? I find I, it is hard to, to pull someone out so that I can get my training in. That that doesn't seem quite right. The only I, if there's a shit ton of people on the mat, I'll like you know right when you get to the spot, be like out and in, so that one person only sits out one you know five or six minute round, and um, but then I mean think about just rolling with like a blue or a purple belt. You know what I mean? Like you, your eye is is thinking about what they're doing. You know what I mean? Like how do I? You're keeping an eye out for shit they might be doing wrong, and after the roll, so you can give them like one quick thing before we move on. Right. You know what I mean? And you know, but I I feel like more than ever now, my my mind is always thinking about my jujitsu and how things are done, and like where do what do I need to change, and how do I need to behave on the mat when I'm rolling, and. And things like that. So I think about it like that with like the class structure. I'm always thinking about like, all right, what can we do differently that will make it more interesting? What am I teaching tonight? You know, what what details am I forgetting about that technique? You know, I I think you've been. It's it's funny because that's like you you get text messages me from me all the time. Be like, hey, I, you know, you've been doing this. Like, well, how do you structure that? Because your class structure changes all the time, which is something in jujitsu. It's funny because every like every academy you go to pretty much runs class the same way. Right. But you do a lot of stuff different, and you shake it up, and you change the order of things, and you'll teach different techniques, and you'll do different warm-ups, and sometimes you won't do a warm-up, and you'll do it. 
Yeah. I, and I think that it keeps it fresh for a number of reasons. People like, you know, the, the monotony of everybody's life, does, they don't want to go to jujitsu and experience the same thing. And uh, you keep people on their toes. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I try to keep it. The thing is, like, as a teacher, too, like, I try to gauge what's going on. You know what I mean? If, if the energy's real low in there, like, I'm all right. Like, all right. Like, and it's, I mean, it's weird, too, because sometimes you're like, why? And then you got to figure out why the energy's low. You know, maybe everyone's tired. You know what I mean? So you're, like, doing, like, you're going to keep it a little lighter, a little looser, whatever. Maybe the energy's low just because people are bored. You know, you got to kind of read. Because it's Monday. Right. People and what's <laughs> going on. You know, but I always try to, like, I mean, that's kind of my whole teaching philosophy and the way I try to think about teaching is I try to give everyone what they need, not what they want. You know what I mean? And some days you might need to get the shit kicked out of you. Some days you need might need to be, you know, encouraged a little more. Some days you might need to go light. Some days you need to go real hard. You know, I try to look and be like, all right, these are the people in the class. This is what they need, you know? You obviously like coaching and teaching. Um, why do you, what? like, what are you trying to do? Like, what do you get out of that? Like, what, what, what is your goal with that? You know what I mean? Uh... It's, it changes. You have all, a goal, yeah. Well, it changes all the time. Like right now, like with this, like I never mean, don't want to talk about politics and stuff like that. But with the state of the world and what's going on, and and just everything in 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 today's society, whatever. My goal is kind of switched from like from a couple of things. But one thing is, I want to make sure that when everyone walks in there that day, that that hour and a half that they're with me, they leave feeling better than when they came in. You know what I mean? And I try, and, and like, I, that's the other real hard thing about it is what makes someone feel better might not make the other person feel better. You know what I mean? So that's one thing. The other thing, too, is I try to keep it as real as possible and, and like I said, give them what they need. You know, there are some people that need, you know, like, I'm trying to think of an example. So we have this one guy. Evidently, you think I usually need an ass kicking. <laughs> yeah, that's about, right. that's, a, that's about right. But like sometimes it's right. like not a physical ass kicking. Sometimes it's a verbal ass kicking. You know what I mean? Like we have this one guy in our academy, love him to death, you know, and he's going to know exactly who I'm talking about, whatever. But like he's an older guy. He, well, it's actually two guys now that are, and I kind of treat him the same, but they're older guys. They're really successful in their business. You know what I mean? They have children. They have wives. They own a home. You know, um, the, the the these two guys are the the epitome of the American dream. So when they come in, I'm like, yo, what the fuck are you doing? You know what I mean? I'm like, you're doing that fu- so wrong. Like, And I'm like, did you not just see the fucking technique that I showed you? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I think it's, it takes the stress off them of having to be perfect, and I just call them out on their bullshit. You know what I mean, right. and it's 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 something that no one else does in their daily life. Like I like this one particular guy says to me, he's like, "You're the only person that talks to me like that." I love it. You know what I mean. So like right. I try to, and then there's like like one of our students. I mean, he's 14 and he trains with the adults, <laughs> but I try to. You're in the adult class. I'm gonna treat you like an adult. You know what I mean. And we're, I'm not gonna hold anything back. We're gonna, you know, within reason. You know, I'm not gonna make it so his parents won't let him show up anymore. But guess what? <laughs> I'm not gonna baby you. I've seen him change. However long he's been with us, six months. Ton, ton I don't of kids, but how many kids like that have been in our academy? You know, we have right. you know a handful of people that started when they were 13, right. that now 21, 22, 23, 24, right. 25, whatever. And I'd like to think that 
we've had something to do with making them the men that they are today, and they're all awesome men. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, they're, I, they're fucking men. I think about that a lot, <coughs> and uh, this kid, you know, you, you know, we we striped him the other day, yeah, and it was, you know, you think about who that person is when they came to the door, and this you can really do this for anybody. You think about who they were when they came in the door, including myself. Probably like we all say the same thing, but it's it who you become and it's like you wouldn't like if you look at yourself in the mirror you probably don't even realize the change that's a, that's occurred inside of you like if you did that to him on the first day he woke he came into the academy he would never show up again right. but now he can take it right. and it's not just cuz he's better at jujitsu he just knows his limits better and he knows how to keep his his head up and he knows how to fight back and he knows not to give up yeah like that's fucking invaluable right i mean <laughs> I don't know. I feel like, like I said, like that, that's my whole goal in teaching is give you what you need to make you a better person so that when you, or not even a better person. Well, I mean, I can't, I mean, that's not my responsibility, but give you what you need so that you feel better leaving than when you came in. That's really my, my main goal. I want, I want to, you know, <clears throat> I don't have all the answers. You know, I was just talking about this with a friend of mine the other day. I'm 32 years old and I'm more lost now than I ever have been in my whole life, but I'm kind of like this weird okay with it. Like I'm pretty confident I can navigate almost anything that life throws at me and I'm, and I'm going to be okay no matter what. And I want people to feel like that too. You know, like right. I want people to be like, whatever situation you're in, you'll be fine, man. And it's okay not to have everything figured out. Right. You know, well, that's the other thing too is like, and that's the awesome thing about, about our Academy. And I think it's the awesome thing about jujitsu and even that, that, the awesome thing about most CrossFit or whatever, you know, I mean, I haven't had much experience with whatever else, but this is talking about the other day, you know, like, like I said, we don't want to talk about politics too much, but there's like, people are, are freaking out, you know, because of this whole election. And I want people to know that for better or worse, whether the country gets better or the country gets worse or whatever, that the people in the academy are there for you. It doesn't matter what happens. You know, I have three extra rooms in my house that aren't used. If you fucking can't pay your fucking mortgage, guess what? There's three rooms for you to stay in. You know what I mean? Like, come on in. You know right. what I mean? And and that that's the beauty of jujitsu. You know, like you got people there to hold you. You know, and got your back. You know. And I, I think it's a for you. It's it's really important we're having this conversation because, uh, you know, it. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with like new people that show up and they're like. I think the darkness really hates me. <laughs> and I'm like, he doesn't hate anybody. You know, he's just like, that's just the way he is. And now, you know, you, you if you understand a little bit about how you approach class and, how, you know, how you like to run things and this conversation, you figure out like that, you know, maybe that you're being hard on someone because they need someone to be hard on them and push them a little bit and not baby them or coddle them so much. And I, I, first of all, I think it's really effective. And I like, I think about the ways that you teach and I change the ways that I teach because of that. But also the, the chemistry changes different in, in the way that we approach teachings so that it's not the same thing all the time. They get, right. people get something different out of you than they do out of me. And I think that, I think that's important for, I think a lot of jujitsu academies should be doing that. I think we should do, you know, we try to do that as much as we can. And we're not perfect. Like, God knows. <laughs> right. Oh my God. Right. Like, you know, but it's, I think it's really cool that people get to get, they still learn jujitsu and they still have a good experience, but it's a different class and it's a different, uh, certainly different personality styles, obviously. Like, 
but they get something different. But I love the way you teach classes, man. No, yeah, I mean, I I appreciate it, and I know that I I said this before. You know, I feel like jujitsu, like teaching jujitsu, is what I was put on this planet to do. You know, what I mean, if there was if, if if there's some divine power that's like you know sending people to you know get all fucking woo woo whatever, but um. <laughs> That's that's what I'm here to do. I'm here to teach jujitsu. You know what I mean? And, and drink and, coffee. And drink coffee. <laughs> and he's all out of coffee. <laughs> so, so I'm just gonna teach jujitsu. But uh, yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, the whole like tough guy, like being tough on people. I mean, it's it's somewhat of a front. You know what I mean? It's it's a like like I said, I'm just trying to give people what I think they need. Um, you know, a lot of it is it, like thinking about this. You know recently whatever like a lot of what i do a lot of the reason that i i i devoted myself to jiu-jitsu a lot of the reason that i do strength and conditioning and i and i and i work hard in the gym whatever it's it's fear-based you know what i mean i'm I'm afraid that you know i want to stay relevant i always want to be prepared you know i don't ever want anybody to do something to me that i don't want them to do you know what i mean i don't want anybody to do anything to my family or my friends that i don't want them to do but at the same time i don't want people to show up at the academy and not get real jujitsu you know what i mean i don't want people to you know we talk like talking to this about this all the time is like we have a relatively small academy you know there's there are academies that have started after us that have five times as many students easily yeah but guess what <laughs> you show up at our academy <laughs> you better be ready you're getting real jujitsu you know what i mean and it's that's that's the real point of it is like i don't want anybody to learn jujitsu from us and either go to a tournament and feel like what are you guys teaching me? Or another academy. Or another or, academy. Or God forbid, get into a confrontation on the street and be like, I'm a blue belt in jujitsu and then I just got my fucking ass whooped. What you know the what fuck I mean? have I spent my time doing? Right. I don't want you to feel like you, you were there for nothing. And you might not feel like it now, but and and I, I'm pretty confident that you'll go somewhere and you'll never feel like that. But I know there are some people who have stepped into our academy that have trained other places that showed up and they felt like, and at brown belt or black belt, and they were like, "What have I been doing?" <laughs> like because this blue belt just whooped my ass, right? You know what I mean? I've I, I say the same thing all the time. I'm like, I know you guys train with other people. I know, like we always say, you go train with anybody you want. Like go visit academies, go see Roberto, go see Mass BJJ. Like try it out. But the one thing that I, if you take the responsibility to teach people jujitsu. The absolute is that you have to be giving something to them that's real, that's absolutely real, and it's not easy, and it's one of the hardest things that... Learning jiu-jitsu is one of the hardest things that people are ever going to do, but it's got to be real. Like, if you're going to take the responsibility to teach, it's got to be real, and and there's varying levels of that, right? Like, you can teach good jiu-jitsu and still, like, promote too fast or promote too slow, and, like, it's like getting married. There's no reason to go fast. You know what I mean? There's no reason to, to do something before it's it's time to do it. And, you know, we... I don't think there's a single person in our academy that really gives a shit about belts or stripes. You know what I mean? Because all they want to do is show up and train. And that's important enough for us to protect, yeah. you know? So we've been... Like, you talk about visitors coming in. And we get a lot of visitors. Like, people know us and come in and train with us. But we get a lot of visitors, like... The people that are, you know, famous jujitsu people come and we become friends with them. And like, we get all this cool stuff 
and hang out and learn all this stuff. Like what? I don't even know what my question is, but like I feel like Jared comes and Chris Howder comes and like I've learned life changing stuff from these guys. You know, do you I mean, like I know you're friends with Jared and uh I don't know, man. Like I've learned stuff like I I since Howder was here and we sat here and talked to him and this I've am obsessed with art now. I'm like walking around. You're gonna open don't, this? No, I am not. But I'm just saying, like, what you know? Thank God the Riddler doesn't have a mic. I just right. got a mic. Shit. <laughs> I don't think that at, a lot of other academies maybe don't get the don't get that. Like, I mean, Gary Tonin came when he was. You know, you mean not like really what's like get it exposed to that 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 side of jujitsu that's outside of the four walls of your academy. Is that kind of what you mean? Like Even more than that, though, the, we get exposed to like the act. The people come and and I think become lot, our I think, friends. I think a lot of that has to do with the. It's a it's a testament to the people that are in our academy. You know what I mean? Like, so I have become really good friends with Jared over the past you know two years or whatever. And the thing that he always says is like he he's always impressed with the fact that we have. It's funny, you know, it's, it's Jared, so he's going to say it the way Jared says it and stuff like that. <laughs> but he's always like, it's real men with real priorities. You know what I mean? That's his big thing. And that, like, he, everyone that he's met, and, like, when he came into that seminar, he said, he said he's like, this is my home away from home. You know what I mean? This is my home in the Northeast, you know? And it's just because everyone in our academy is awesome. You know, like, I've said this a bunch of times, and I mean it when I have extra bedrooms, and if anybody in our academy needed a place to stay, it's open because I do not dislike anybody in our academy. You know what I mean? And I think that that's some of the reason why it's it's small. You know what I mean? Like, I think if if it was big, that offer wouldn't be out there. You know what I mean? But the the forty guys that train on a regular basis, you know, it's a tight knit family, right? dude. How many times have I slept on your couch? Right. <laughs> but I, but I think that's why I think that's why those guys why Jer- I mean that's why Jared likes it here I mean I'm sure that's why Howder likes it here you know what I mean it's it's be- and we always treat them right you know like we like you know pay them what they want put them in a nice hotel take them to dinner you know and just hang out and be real too treat them like their family when they show up right teach you know? them about Fisher cats teach them about Fisher Fisher cats but you know what is funny <laughs> is is that you 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 weigh that against. You know, okay, so you, you know, you you it's it's a business whether we want it to be or not. It's that it falls under that category and on Google, you know what I mean. So you have this paradox of so if we wanted to have two hundred members in three years, we could probably pull it off. Well, what but, the fuck? But what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> well, you've been holding out, dude. Well, I mean, yeah, but you got to change. You got to change the way you do things. You got to soften up. You got to. See, I don't know if I agree with that, though. I mean, his academy's been open a long time, whatever, but look at Jared's academy. I mean, how many students does he have? A shitload. And every one of those guys is it's tough. true. Is, is super tough and does real jujitsu. You know what I mean? So right. Like, I mean, that's true. I mean, look at like, I mean, you could look at like uh, Nate and Pat's school. Yep. You know what I mean? Mass BJJ acting for right. all those out there. They have they have a ton of students and all their students are good, so I don't right. think it needs to be a ton of students and only some of them are good or a few students and they're all good. Please, yeah, please. Welcome, Riddler. Welcome to the hey guys. Room. How you doing? 
You have 90 seconds. You have the floor. And go. So I think if I could add something to this, I think the, the there's an interaction between some of the people that have been in the club for a while and the new people that really has nothing to do with you guys. And I think that that's an important part of the club as well, and that might answer some of the sort of the, sort of the things you're leaving out there. I know that if I'm around and there's somebody new, you know, I have that reputation of the dude will go and like roll with like whoever the new guy. I'll always grab the new guy and go, and, you know. And these people will like confide in me, like how fucking terrified they are sometimes. <laughs> you know, they're not going to look at, at Derek and go, "Okay, I'm scared right now." You know, they're just going to like totally try to man up. And that's that's what that's what you guys are there for. And everybody's different. But I do. I'm not the only one. I mean, there is like this little soul. There are other ones. Well, I think there's also that that there's our 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 academy has a number of old dudes in it, which is something that I think I'm one of them. Old bastard BJJ. (laughs) I think it's really powerful. I don't think I think that you can tell a lot about various Schools about anything, whether it's you know jujitsu or not, about the type of people that are there, and you see a lot of people who've been in other martial arts that are there. You got a number of old dudes, and they'll take care of the the, the new guys come in. They'll go, yeah, you know, let's just let's. I'm going to chill for this time, and then I'll give you a light one right now because you know you're going to line up with you know some monsters coming up because you can see who you're going with next. And then sometimes, and after a while, they just they just get used to it, but. I'm not. I don't mean that we're protecting though. I just mean that it's a it's a really cool subculture. It happened for me when I came in. Right. I. But here's the thing. I don't feel like. So, you know, the more advanced guys in the academy, every you know the way we roll, everybody gets to roll with everybody, and it. And by the way, I don't mean to say like it's just kind of its tendency for Derek and I to sit down and talk about Port City. There's a lot of academies that are doing it right. I'm not saying we're better than everyone or everything like that, but it's, it's we're just talking about the experience of being on the mat and the more advanced guys, they don't they're not going to they're not going to beat the piss out of you just for the sake of doing it. You know what I mean? They're going to they're going to make you work and they're going to push you along. It's like you can't you know, you get on the mat with our purple belts, and if they wanted to, they could be malicious about it, but they're not. They're trying to pull you along and teach you jiu-jitsu, and, and that's the reason why I think our blue belts go and train other places, or they go and they compete, and they do really well, A, because they're resilient, and they're not going to give up. Like the guy we were talking about earlier, they're not going to give up. They're going to keep on pushing. Even like when you're 90% of the way through the sweep, they're not going to give you the last 10% just because, oh, it looks like I'm going to get swept. They keep on trying to turn and keep on trying to stay belly down and not get swept. And that's because of the the experience in the academy is not people just beating up other people for their own sake. Everybody kind of takes care of each other and takes responsibility of other people's development. And that's not something... You can say we planted the seed or whatever, but it's become a thing that's much bigger than us. It's how the community treats each other inside those four walls, I think. Yeah, I mean, I always when someone new comes in, I always tell them, you know, you're gonna learn as much from the guy you're training with as you will the person teaching the class. You know, it's a fact that like we're not all built the same. We're not all gonna be able to do the same things. You know, the same physical attributes. So, you know, you might find a guy who's built the same way you are, or is the same amount of flexible, or you know, same amount of strength, speed, or whatever. Is gonna do things more like you than I am, or Jay is, or Jim is, or George is, or whatever. And you're gonna make that stuff. You know, uh, I work for you. I mean, I think that that's, I feel like, I mean, we get back to like the whole CrossFit thing and jujitsu, whatever. I think it's a, it's a thing that's lost on a lot of people. You know, it's lost on a lot of society, I feel like, is 
you're accountable for what you're doing in there. You know what I mean? You have to be somewhat accountable. You just can't go in there with your fucking eyes shut and your ears plugged and your head down and expect to skate through and, and come off the other side clean. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. If you're not if you're not with your eyes open and you and, and ready to go and watching what's going on around you and, and thinking about what you're doing and going in there with a purpose and having a, a, a some semblance of a plan or whatever it's not going to go well, you know? Right. When you, when you, you know, cover those bases, you know, like try to tell someone, you know, like, and that's how I try to do it is like, I'm going in there with intent. I'm going like when I, when it's my own training, I'm like, I'm going to work on this position, you know, and it could be something as specific as I'm only doing this submission or it's only, I'm only doing this sweep or it's when I get to this position, I'm going to do this. Or when I get to this position, I'm going to do this. Or I'm going to work on this grip or I'm going to do this. But I go in there with some kind of plan, you know what I mean? If someone else is doing the same thing I'm doing, I'm, I fucking ask them, like, what, how, are you, how are you doing that? How is it working out? You know, do you do this? Do you do that? Whatever. And then you get feedback that way. And, you know, but you need to be, you, and same thing with, like, working out and, and staying in shape. You know, if you go in with no plan, an hour goes by and you're like, oh, I've been fucking stretching this one arm for an hour right i've been well, fucking that, off that for... didn't do anything for you you know what i mean where if i go in and that's one of the things that like i why i got a strength and conditioning coach was they wrote me a program i know i'm doing this warm-up i'm doing these exercises i'm doing this shit and i'm getting out of there in an hour and i got a better workout than if i went in by myself and was like oh i think that i could do this today and whatever and three hours goes by and i haven't done dog shit i like to believe that I'm accountable for myself enough that I could walk into a gym unmonitored, but I've never done it in my life. You I've need, never. You been, need constant monitoring. Oh, I should be monitored. <laughs> I don't know if that means an, yeah, an, ankle, an ankle brace, brace. Uh, <laughs> but I. But I've never. I've never been successful going into the gym and lifting for my own sake or getting in shape for my own sake. Like I'll do it around like tournaments and stuff, and I'll go run. And I'll do the road work. But you're exactly right. When my my program is exactly like that. Like every minute that I'm there is planned out. Right. And I, I know why I'm there. And it's like, look, if I'm just going to like there, there is a huge social aspect to it, just like there is in jujitsu, but you can't, first of all, you can't steal time from someone else's workout. Right. And you shouldn't go in there and fuck around so much that you're like, well, look, let's, let's be honest with why I'm here right now. And if I'm not going to challenge myself and I'm not going to get through my workout and make good use of why I'm here, then why do I even bother? Well, and, and the, other thing, the reason that there's a social aspect to it is because people are there. Why are people there? Because it's effective. Right. If it wasn't effective, people wouldn't be there and there'd be no social aspect. Right. You know what I mean? That's why you know, it's got to be effective first. Yep. And the, the other nice thing about CrossFit, too, is that everyone has been in your spot before. Right. You know what I mean? The day you walk in, every just like jujitsu. Every, you know, it's hard for people to grasp when they first start when you say it to them. And I try to say it every single time, but it's like, dude, it was my first day once too. Right. You know what I mean? It was everybody in here. It was their first day once. And in CrossFit, it's like still new enough for me. It's only been a couple of years, but it's like, it's, it's new enough for me for a lot of reasons. I'm not as strong as a lot of people. I'm just not built that way. Right. But for me, it's still new enough that. I remember what like I, I, I I'm I'm still a, a white belt doing this and it's fun to go and be a basically be a student again and be in development again not that we're not always jiu-jitsu is ever changing and our games are ever changing and but to be so new 
right. to be like, man, you know, they say you got to do things 10,000 times to get good at them. Like in jujitsu, for most of those techniques, we've probably hit that number. In CrossFit, I'm not even close. And it's fun to be, like, the, be you know, more at the lower level of the food chain and experience that again because it gives you a better understanding of what people are walking in on the first day of jujitsu again. Because that was 17 years ago for me, you know what I mean? I, I say that I remember it, but I don't really. Right. You know what I mean? And what it felt like. I remember the day, I remember, but what, what it feels like to, to walk in there. And I give people a lot of credit for doing it. Walking into a jiu-jitsu academy is not the easiest thing to do in the world. So many people walk by the door or they stare through the glass. And you're like, come on in. And you're like, no, 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 no. Like, funny, it's all right, man. There's no laser tripwire. You're not going to die. The funny thing about that is like, and I've been thinking about this for the last few days. This will this will cause some this will cause a little excitement here too, but um, the mat. And so there's all this talk about the safe space, and I heard about the safe space, and I was like instantly thought jujitsu mat. I was like, yeah, I got a safe space. I mean, right. there's people trying to kill me there, and <laughs> busting my balls. But I'm like, I I get it, man. I'm like, I got a safe space too. Like that's my spot. And I and like so I mean I t- I totally get why there's apprehension there, but they're like their scary thing is my safe space. I'm like, man, I go to that safe space and I'm. They call that inoculation, buddy. I've been inoculated. <laughs> You've been inoculated to that type of stress. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's just like my home. It's my. I have uh, so my 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 calming thing. I mean, to put this in perspective, my best friend in the entire world is fucking career military. And I get a text message probably once a month that all he wants to do is go overseas and shoot some people. He wants He's a gunfighter at heart. Being behind a gun in the middle of the fucking desert is his safe space. It's what he wants right. to be doing. It's what he wants to be doing. That's where he's in control there. You know what I mean? That's, I think, you, it's all relative. Yeah. It's I all, mean, I, it's all relative. And I don't understand for anybody else, you know, but for me... I take my shoes off outside there. I walk in, and it's just like, ah, and I, I'm okay. You know, I'm okay. Let me ask you something. So yes. forget about the word. Safe space is a trigger. It's I a just, trigger word. I Stop, say don't it use that word. But try, try this. Let me it. ask you this. Sure. When you're in the, uh, we can ask Derek. You don't have to ask you. It's a, when you're at the jujitsu. It's all club, about me. Do you trust the people at the club? Is that a yes or no question? Yes. Um, I think that's. I think that it doesn't matter for me if you guys are trying to rip my arm off, because I know that right as it's about to come off, you're going to stop ripping off my arm. Like that's my version of. If you stop using the safe space, safe, the problem is safe space. How about, a, how about, a, how about a safe word? The point. Is, well, there <laughs> is a bark? safe word. I mean, that's the thing. <laughs> isn't that? I know all. There is a safe word. It's like you know, you tap. You know, I think that's I think that's why you can't make a comparison with what's happening outside the dojo. Because I mean, obviously, the reason why everybody's upset is because they don't trust the people around them, right? Like, I think it's cool that inside the academy, I don't know how you guys do it, but I really do trust pretty much everybody except for some of the new guys. And then just till you know them, though. No, it's not that. It's until they know me. They know us, right? Because it's not that. Well, I don't think. Hmm. I've never run into, I'm not sure, oh, that's a good, great, great question. You ever run into somebody who was legitimately trying to hurt people coming into the club? Oh, yeah. That's oh, yeah. a great question. So would you mind running that, Derek? Maybe, obviously, Jay would be great, too. Um, I mean, 
yeah, I mean, people, I mean, I can remember, <laughs> so, some of my, my, my random reactions or a random, and this wasn't even with me, whatever, but some of my, my random memories of Kenny back in the day, like when I first started, and it was one of those things where like, you're talking about Kenny Florian, Kenny Florian yeah. <laughs> back in the day. And this is one of those things where like, it kind of, it, it, it's, it was one of those pivotal moments in, in jujitsu where I was like, I have to make a choice here whether I'm going to continue to do this and devote myself to it or I need to get out of this world immediately. Was I can remember one day, and I supposedly this happened all the time, whatever, but Kenny was there teaching class or, or training or whatever. I took class. Some guy shows up and sits on the fucking the wall, and Kenny's like, or someone, I don't know if it was Kenny or Roberto or pags or someone was like hey man you want to train he's like oh no i'm just here to uh to watch class and all this stuff whatever and they're like all right so like all right class is over go open mat and the guy comes back and he's got a black belt on and wants to fucking fight kenny so he and Ken, it's pretty much a dojo storm and he right. and kenny fucking go at it like for keeps you know what i mean and like that was one of those pivotal moments where i was like i'm either gonna devote myself to this because if someone wants to do that to me i need to be able to stop it it's that fear response or i can't fucking take this and i need to go live a more safe life <laughs> you can go back to break dancing is what you mean right yeah yeah okay like freestyle like main state champ man uh <laughs> wait a second <laughs> That is, that is a lie. All right, <laughs> those man, those but, those but Wild that, West days. But though, that's what I'm saying shit. is like, yeah, you know, I mean, I don't trust anybody that walks through that door. You got to earn my trust. You know what I mean? And and I and and sometimes earning my trust is knowing that I trust myself enough that I'm going to whoop your ass. <laughs> that's just the way it is. I don't. I, Keep, keep go around on that again there. <laughs> I kind of lost in, in translation. That's, I mean, it's, it's the, it's the fear based thing I'm talking about is like, I'm, I, I don't trust anybody. I don't know. I reserve, and Kron said this too. I reserve the right to judge anybody until I do jujitsu with them. I reserve the right. I don't judge you, but I trust myself enough to know that I can handle myself in pretty much whatever situation is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And, I trust my guys that whatever the situation is, they're going to they're gonna be able to handle it. You know what my favorite thing to do used to be was? Some tough guy would come in. I'd be like, hey, go roll with that kid over there. And I'd fucking sick Jeffrey King on him. <laughs> because I knew that no matter what happened, this guy could try to beat up Jeffrey King. He could try to punch him. He could try to choke him. He could try to do whatever he wanted to Jeffrey King. And the fucking house cat <laughs> would cool. not; it wouldn't phase him, and he knew what not to in do. The least bit, and he right. would, and he would handle his business, and he would. He knew that he had the skills, and and the knowledge and the toughness because of everything else that had happened in that academy that he could handle whatever this guy threw at him. Everything, I mean, other than uh, excluding this guy taking out a knife or a gun, Jeffrey was whooping this kid's ass. Right. No, matter, no matter how big he was, no matter how tough he was, and I think that goes back to the whole thing is about what what I'm um uh, what my goal is in teaching. It's not to have everybody come in and be a good person, right? It's teaching everybody in that academy that they can deal with bad people, 
Right. You know what I mean? That's the difference. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like I said, we don't want to fucking talk about politics, and I get it, and I understand what's going on in the world, and I I understand people are concerned, and I understand all that. Well, guess what? If you did some jujitsu, you wouldn't be so goddamn concerned. Right. Wouldn't be so afraid either. It's uh it's a yeah. I mean I mean I, I'm not saying there's we, no we, we don't we don't really have the same life right. experiences, for example, a a young gay black dude, you know, who, who's in like <laughs> a ten a years second. old or wait, whatever wait, no. in the middle of somewhere. It's like me? we have a very different experience. So it's Stop. it's not I mean, quite l- the listen, same listen, for everybody. Listen, I, Strike that listen, from the record. Listen, I understand that. And I understand that. That's you, a, you don't have people following you around at school screaming at you. Will you shut the fuck up and let me talk? Yeah, shut up. Ahead. Shut up. Listen, <laughs> I I understand that. I understand that it's it's tough to be. And I'm I'm a lower middle class white male in America. I understand there's a, a, there's there, there is a a sense of privilege with that, and I understand that. I understand that I'm not Muslim in this country. I understand I'm not a gay black ten year old in this country. But you know what? Some jujitsu in that kid's life would make it. Fucking, I heard it. I, I agree with you. A tad I definitely I, would, do. would make it a tad bit easier. Absolutely. I'm not going to say it's going to make his life easy, but it might make it a little bit better because a he's going to get some confidence. B he's going to be able to handle himself if the situation happens, and C he's going to have a whole academy of people that fucking treat him like family. And if anybody steps up to fucking fuck with that kid, they're going to get their ass whooped. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying that, you know that these people don't have a right to be scared. I'm not saying that anybody out there has a right, doesn't have a right to be scared. They have nothing to be scared about. You have plenty to be scared about. <laughs> Do something about it. That's what I'm saying. Right on. Right on. Right on. Let's see, this is why we love you, Derek. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> I like it. Shut up. Shut, shut the fuck up. <laughs> shut the fuck. You're out of your element, Riddler. <laughs> no, no, no. We, shut we, the fuck we, up, Donnie. We, we, have, we have tons of history on a different podcast. It's all good. <laughs> you know, you know what the other thing is? You 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 people walk in, big guys, small guys, skinny guys, like you can tell when they're walking through the academy for the wrong reason. If you're looking for an ego boost, guess what? It's not gonna happen. It's just not gonna go down like that. And the people it's it's sometimes I'm really surprised by the people that stay. And you oh, know what? I you, can I can I I'm wrong fucking ninety percent of the time. Yep. It's it's crazy and some of those people like the the people you're describing whether whether it's 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 from a profile perspective they're the same people but you can tell someone that walks through that won't look you in the eye and they're and they're meager and they're afraid yes they become tougher and yes they learn but you know what else they learn they learn to fucking figure shit out for themselves because it's not a two on one no one's gonna pull you out from the bottom position and 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 get you out of there you got to figure out how to do it yourself and you can be stuck under there every round for the rest of your life or you can figure out how to get out. Oh, yeah, I mean, at I mean, at the very least, I mean, there's some there's a self reliance aspect, you know, right. because it's it's you versus so, someone else. I mean, that, I mean, that I mean, I think that's the fucking scariest thing about jujitsu. You know, competing. A lot of people don't like to compete. Why? Because it's you versus someone else, and there's no one else you can rely on. You know what I mean? You right. got you got to get it done. Yep. And that's I mean, and like I said, it's it's not the answer to everything, but it'll make everything a little. It'll help. It'll help. You you guys can't say it. Um, but but I certainly can. I honestly believe that part of the reason why people come in, I, I asked you a question. You guys actually came up with a, a pretty shady answer, which is great. It's like how many times you get people to come in and just try to beat the shit out of everybody. And you're like, there really aren't that many people who come in who are giant assholes. 
I think a lot of it is because you're inspiring them to fucking not be an asshole. And obviously, you can't say it to each other. You guys are the guys who run the club. You don't be like, oh, you inspire the dude. But you do. I mean, someone comes in. The well, first I, person they're looking I, at I'm, is you. I don't think that happens first day. I mean, I think it happens after a mm. while. I, mean, I, I think you're setting the, an example. The reason it doesn't happen the first day is because they just don't get an opportunity to. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. I, like, I'm like, if they go in there with malicious intent, this is not going to fucking happen. But you they, can see it right. from outside the club. You say people look in, and they can. The reason why they're not coming in is because what in their mind, whatever the. Whatever that blocker is, it's very obvious. I think one of the things that's great about this, it's not just this academy, but some of the great academies that you, know, that you guys are part of, and that certainly the people that come and you, know, you guys choose to bring into seminar, is they're pretty honest. There's that trust word again for me. It's not some dude who you know is out of shape and wearing a belt that's got seven stripes on it that you have to address as Professor Grandmaster you know, who never rolls with anybody. It's not like that. And I think that that goes across all martial arts. You guys are there rolling, and at least for a couple of years, until I fucking get my shit together, you and a couple of us, we're all going to take all you guys out. But for right now, you guys <laughs> really? end up, you guys can still beat the <laughs> did, shit did, out of did everybody. You, did you miss my fear statement? I'm afraid <laughs> of that, and I'm going to make sure it doesn't happen. <laughs> I love that, man. <laughs> no, but I'm serious. I mean, all joking. Uh, the serious part is it's it's you're fucking inspiring it. You can't see it because you're leaving it behind you. It's like you smell really shitty, but everybody can smell. Wherever you go, you can't smell it. You walk in and it's like this place is the real deal. If you use Tortuga soap, you ain't going to smell shitty. Jesus right? Christ, George. Everybody else knows that but you, Riddler. I don't know why you're having such a hard time understanding this. We were coming home from the gym today, and, and my wife was like, is that, is, that, is that you? And I'm like smelling my, I'm like, I don't know. I, Every I now think, and then a man I, needs to I check his own yeah. brand, you know I what think, I'm saying? I think that's me, yeah. <laughs> so if you guys could just move that charcoal, apparently that these charcoal guys don't, don't, don't along, like yeah? they don't right. like being confronted with their own inspiration. But you know, it's true though. I mean, it's you you can't see it because you're there all the time. You're there, but people come in and they're like, "Yeah, I'm not fucking with these guys." Well, I, this isn't the place I should be to come in and fuck around with people. Well, I think that's for a couple reasons. I think I think for the people that have trained there for a long time, know that when you step on the mat, our our academy, the members of our academy, are not impressed by belts, first of all, right off the bat. They don't care. Whoever walks through the door. And if they ju- are, I tell them to stop. Cut the shit. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't be mystified. Yeah. And I'll testify. I mean, I, I feel the same way. If anybody comes in, I don't, I don't care who it is. I just get it, I get it from you guys. I'll just go right after them. I don't care. I'm going right. for it. And the it's other thing is, like, you know, not judging a book by its cover and being so surprised so 90% of those people that come in with chips on their shoulders leave. And some of those people are like our purple belts at our academy now who have le- figured out like, fuck, I'm not going to live my life this way anymore. I'm such an asshole. Then Look what got, I figured they got, out. They got pissed at some midget like George beat the shit out of him on the first I, day. I, mean, I, I can't lie to you. That was me, man. When I started <laughs> jiu-jitsu, that was me. I, I had a chip on my shoulder so bad. I was so not confident, you know, like, and that, I was like, same thing. Like, I can't, I can't be this person anymore you know I had to channel it some other way I mean, but uh, but at the end of a, of a couple of long workouts you know during a week you go three times you're, you're looking at the at at a bunch of people who are just fucking wasted there's no energy left and you do it all together as a team 
you know, you're looking around and, and you just all of a sudden become brothers with everybody or sisters or whatever, you know. You know what's funny about that? At the it's at the end of class sometimes when when Jim is there and it used to be when it was time for coaches post class workout, um, you'd be like, All right, everyone, Jim's in charge or coach is in charge. <laughs> and they sweet. used to go, Oh <laughs> and now when that happens, People are like, yes. People request it now. People request it. They're like, yes. They're excited about it. They're like, you know, it's like the concept of class being over and going home is like daunting. You're like, fuck, I don't want it to be over. And then it's like, oh, I get I get five more minutes of pain with coach. But there's a lot of whispering going on in that circle, too. You know, guys are looking over at the new guys going, just hang in there. Just keep on going. You'll be cool. You won't be the new guy next week. Someone else will come in, and I'll be good. You got to learn to suffer, or or, or they're (laughs) looking, or they're looking at this. this, Embrace it. They're looking at this obviously older man who is fucking Jack, handsome, who's now going to like go. I love when he does the plank thing because he's like he's basically there in the class plank longer than me. It's not going to happen. And you're looking at the new guy going, just don't even bother. Just give it a whack. Do it as well as you can. Do a little better next week. Yeah, be, they're be looking humbled. at me like, what the fuck is <laughs> just, going on? Just yeah. stand over there and be humble. Shake. Right. Thursday night, he came in and taught the the all levels class, and uh, I was like, hey, coach, we got people getting ready for tournaments, and I want to do like shark bait with these guys at the end. We'll help them, you know, get ready. So Josh and Tyler, and uh, he's like, all right, all right. So I had, like, shark bait in mind. What he had in mind was way worse. Like, man, we went shark bait for a while. And then he Could did. Could you tell the, uh, the listeners what shark bait is? They all know. Shark bait. Go ahead. Maybe not everybody's been to your class. <laughs> I didn't make it up. Shark bait's an old wrestling thing. Yeah, man. Right. So shark bait, you know, in this case, we had two guys getting ready. So, you know, this was kind of a modified version where these two guys are out there and, and fresh guys every two minutes, right? But then Coach had him starting, and, and so the same guys are out there the whole time just facing fresh guys. So one, every two one minutes, a new person comes Yeah, in. and then and Coach had him starting in different positions. And so these two guys, man, I was like, I mean, they just ate it up. But then, So we go through that for, man, I, he had it go for a long time, too. And and then we did like the coach conditioning thing after, and I was like, whoa! And man, my legs were. I, we then we ended it with the plank, and I'm like shaking, my whole body's shaking. Like uh, uh, uh. I, I like the. All we got left is ten push. All we got left is ten <laughs> push ups. Times a hundred. The pyramid right. push up thing, but uh, but so it was awesome display of like. And at the end, Tyler was like, thank you guys for helping me, you know. And, and it was an awesome display of, like, people maybe sacrificing themselves to help these two guys get ready for, for what they're doing. Uh, and, and if you're not sensing the moral of the story, Mike Pellegrino, if you're listening, oh, man. we're coming for you. I like the idea that there's a team. I mean... Team versus team. You know, a lot of... Uh, uh, I, I do this recreationally, and I have a lot of shit going on in my life. And George will go, you know, you got to be there because he's not talking to me. He's talking to everybody. He's saying you got to be there because everybody else needs you there. You know, I think that's a really important thing. It's not just about not everybody comes in and they're 20 and they need to fucking get their lives in order and they need to get the shit beat out of them and they need to get their ego together and then they need to compete and triumph and, you know, live some movie. I mean, 
it, you do need maybe, to be there. Maybe they're 48 and they need to get their shit together. <laughs> but, I mean, how would you even know? <laughs> You're fucking 30-something. <laughs> I know you. That's true. <laughs> although, you don't know that I'm not 48, so there you go. No, but that's not even the point. And, and all joking aside, people, this uh, young man did some fantastic things for me, so I'm making jokes right now. But But that's not it. It's like you have to be there for people like who are going through that shit. Like you can't, it nope. goes all the way back to judo. It goes for anything like it. You, you wrestling, you can't do this by yourself. You need people to do this with. Jiu-jitsu right? looks weird if you try to do it by yourself. Seriously. <laughs> I, I make the guys do jiu-jitsu. I think shadow roll every now and then. It's, <laughs> it's, it's awesome. <laughs> you need somebody to do it with. And if you're prepared, if you get someone's preparing for a tournament and you're not fucking showing up, then... You, then why are they going to be there for your tournament? Like that, it's 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 a big deal, man. That doesn't really happen. If for you want to, if you want to read an awesome kind of, uh, it's a blog post about this. Is I'm um, go on all day BJJ and look up what yeah, Jared, right. Jared Jared Wiener wrote about this um, about having no part time teammates. You know, um, that it really speaks to what this is all about. And I think that's one of the things I said to him was like. We have the exact opposite of part-time teammates. You know, a lot of our guys don't compete. You know what I mean? And we don't push them to compete. They do jujitsu for a lot of different reasons. Um, but they are always, I mean, we have, like I said, we only have 40 guys. I see those 40 guys all the time. You know what I mean? It's not like only 10 of them show up. You know what I mean? We have 40 guys that show up all the time. And they go fucking hard for those guys that are competing all the time. And it's, I, I mean, for me, even when I'm not competing, and like whoever goes out and competes, when they win and they or they do re- look really well, it's like the greatest. It really, like, I know you guys think it's all about me, but maybe sometimes it's not. I I get so happy when our guys win something or do something that where you're like, wow, can you imagine they just did that? It's like amazing. It's a, I feel better. I I mean this. I I sound like I'm trying to say I'm a good person because I'm not. But I feel I like when I win something in a tournament. It's like yeah, whatever. But when I see somebody else, I'm like, or Matt Barry or somebody out there competing. It's like makes my day, man. That's or or my wife battling for an hour and forty five minutes and winning. That's brutal. Um, or whatever it is. Any of our people at, at the thing. Just, when they go out there and do something amazing, you're like, it's so awesome. Best thing ever was, uh, I won't name names, but, well, Matt was competing uh, up in Maine, and uh, the, the the other coach comes up to me. He's like, so uh, what, 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 what should I tell my guy? I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, your, your guy with the, uh, the one leg, you know. He's competing against my Like, what do you want me to tell my guy? And I was like, buckle up. Buckle up. <laughs> <laughs> Get ready. Get ready, Bas- son. Basically, what, right, we, what I said. And afterward, take I was like, told you. Should have listened to me. <laughs> that fucking yeah. kid, man. The last Ho- hope time you I- know how to go half guard on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> the, the last Watch time that kid neck. fucking competed, man, he got a standing ovation at the end of that tournament. Only, like, he fu- and he fucking slayed. Man. It's so funny. Yep. There's people who have fucking movies made out of them, you know, who are living the same damn life. You know, there's people who are who are legitimately jujitsu rock stars, you know, because of these kind of things. We have a number of people. We have a a, 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 a quite advanced age, high level black belt 
who is the quietest guy who just doesn't talk. And it's funny. Like, you could probably, he could be a jujitsu icon if he wanted to, but he just doesn't. Yeah, it's all he, good. He is an icon. Are you my, talking about Coach? Uh, my of course I am, man. Coach is an icon. Yeah. He is, but the jujitsu, I mean, like, and, and guys like Matt, you know, like these people are just humble and they're doing it. Again, I think they're being inspired to do it for a completely different reason. I think Coach could teach the Spartans about being a man. <laughs> like, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. It's funny. We get people to come in and do their thing, you know, their seminar, and you'll see they'll they'll just. They'll be looking over, you know. They'll see him. He's like, yeah, it's good, you know. I can tell. But, no, I think it's an inspirational thing, same thing. I don't think those guys are interested in, in saying, yeah, let's turn this into some money, you know, get a business going, you know, at all. And I think that comes from you guys. I think that's Unfortunately, sometimes that happens. Because you guys don't make any money. They, they open an academy <laughs> as, a, as a means to make money. It's one thing to say... I don't want to be stuck in my shitty job anymore, and I want to make jujitsu my life. That's one thing. Yeah, I don't mean, but I'm no, don't misunderstand. Yeah, yeah, but that. it's another to say I want to make some money doing jujitsu. That's that's a that's kind of a weird. That's a result of your attitude and your your the way your heart is in your jujitsu. It's not a. It's not the reason. It's a result. We've had this talk before on the on the podcast. You mind if I throw it at, at Derek? It's like um, you feel like there's a, a warrior type. Whether or not that was someone's born that way and they just haven't found it or they were born and they found it. Or do you think that you kind of make the warrior type? Do you think everybody's all sort of the same and you're inspiring that in them? What do you think? When have we ever talked about this before? We did that really early on. Jay and I had an argument about it. It was great. (laughs) What haven't you guys argued about? (laughs) Of course you did. I was super respectful. Um... I think you told me you didn't lie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I personally think that anybody can get tough. Yeah, it, but that's yeah. Do you do you make it or did so you answer the question? There? And then he's like, eh, no, nah, I don't like that. That's answer. not I'm the answer keep, I was looking for. I'm, I'm going to keep on asking this question until I get the answer I want. I think Derek knows that's not what I mean. <laughs> um, no, I mean I think there there are certain. Things, I mean, no one, no one, no one is born. I mean, not all men are created equal. Right. That's that's the un. I mean, the sad truth of the matter is that not all men are created equal. So, if we're talking about wealth, toughness, uh, sensitive, whatever, whatever, humor. yeah, whatever your, your your the virtue is, you're talking about. You know, some people are born on first base, some people are born on third base, some people aren't even born in the ballpark. But guess what? If you work hard enough, you can get in that ballpark. And you can fucking get up to bat and you can I mean, I mean like and I'm I'm using this term, you know, kind of loosely. I understand, you know, there there are some, you know, the fucking kid with the fucking cleft fucking the club foot and the fucking scoliosis and all that stuff probably isn't going to play in the NFL. But guess what? He might find something else that's equally as tough that he can do. It's just you gotta you gotta you gotta pick which ballpark you're gonna go into. But I think that on the toughness scale, you know, there are some people who are born tough. You know, there's some people that you know they have a high pain tolerance. You know, they have uh, you know, like I mean, who knows if it's true now? But I remember reading this thing about uh, Lance Armstrong that like he produced you know 
a certain amount of percentage less lactic acid than anybody else in the entire world. Now, granted, he might have been on fucking steroids or fucking doping, whatever, <laughs> to make that happen. But, you know, um, if you want to look up someone, look up uh, Chris Henshaw, who teaches. Uh, he used to teach. I mean, he might still teach it. I'm not sure. But he used to. I know that he, for a while he taught the CrossFit endurance program. He was an ultra marathoner, but his lungs hold more. Uh, more oxygen than normal person his lactic acid you know threshold is super high um you know he was uh his power to weight ratio like he was just the perfect endurance athlete well you know what he does now he takes people who aren't endurance athletes and he teaches them how to be endurance athletes that's it but that's what i'm saying is you can you you can be born with all these physical gifts but you can also inoculate yourself to that type of stress to you make can you make little, it happen you can make are, it happen are you looking for that i'm already tough guy to come in fuck no I, okay no no so do you feel like because we'll follow it out are you so do you feel like it's part of your gig to take somebody who is not there who is kind of fucking scared about this shit fuck and, yeah. and inspire i like those that better in them? i'm i'm there to toughen the people that need to be toughened and humble the people that need to be humbled <laughs> that's what i'm there for you know what so, I mean? so you kind of reckon you're looking for you're trying to recognize that on the way in. You're kind of diagnosing well, the whole well, thing. And, and thinking about it from a technical s- standpoint in jujitsu is you know a lot of those times that those people who aren't tough who aren't I mean I always tell people that come in there if you come in and you have some physical attributes that's going to be your biggest detriment because you're going to rely on those things. So if you're strong or fast or flexible or God so forbid all three, you're probably <laughs> you're probably not going to be very technical. Right. You're going to rely on those things. And I mean, look at Donald. You know what I mean? How long did it take? I mean, Donald yeah, is strong, right. he's fast, and he's somewhat flexible for a guy that big. He's athletic. And, and he's smart and he's athletic. Well, getting his technique to where it is today was a real struggle. Now it's amazing. Now it's amazing. And, and, and that's a testament to his intelligence you know, and his fortitude and, and, and sticking in his stick to but you don't yep. need to see that coming in. But I don't, I mean, I, uh, I, my favorite thing to do, so we have, I don't, I haven't seen him in a while, and I hope that he comes back. But for a long time, we had this little Asian kid that came in and did yeah, not man. have did not have an ounce of muscle on him. Sleek like a seal. Didn't want to put the pressure on anybody. You know, didn't really know even where to put his hands. Whatever. I want to see that kid be a fucking killer. Right. That's what I want to see. I we have this fourteen year old kid who was his wrists are as big as around my thumb. You know what I mean? He's got Justin Bieber hair, you know, that, <laughs> and all this shit. He's got Bieber fever. You know, uh, his his first day before he, before even I can't his wait first that, day. I, I can't just, wait till that kid is nineteen and is choking the shit out of people. He's already like your, he's already like there, points, really. But points of diagnosis. Before his first day, he came in. His dad came in on a Saturday. We should be we're cool, right? Like we're pretty far from cool. No, this I, group I don't right wanna, here. Like, I don't want to. Like, yeah, I dude, mean, we're cool. Well, and he goes, you know, we're like cool, Tropic baby. Thunder. We're cool, right? We're Not really. No. no. <laughs> so you just messed my whole train of thought up, really. Sorry, I mean, man. it's like I don't really know if we should really talk about his family and all that without his permission. Definitely, probably not. Probably okay, not. So that's I don't know I, his I, family. I don't know his family. Just, you were just going to talk his, about it. They I, brought I did, him in. I just, derailed you on purpose. So you're you're out of your you're out of your element, dude. Right, you're out of your element. It's on Vladimir Ilyich Ulyanov. This kid would not. Jay calls me over and he's like, he's like, talk. Hey, these guys want to talk. I come over. The kid wouldn't even look at us. Right. 
We're talking to his, the dad. He, the kid's not even looking. Wouldn't even make eye contact with us. He came. Three months later, he's he's annihilated. <laughs> so, back so, triangling. So, no, so get this, right? This kid, same kid. Funniest story. And, you know, he tells it that it didn't happen this way, but... I don't. Let, oh, I, I don't. I don't. Oh, right. I don't this let the is, truth get in fucking no, man, good story. Right, but uh, good. so we're all lined up, right? And uh, how long has this kid been training with us? Six, Six months, months, maybe. Months, I think. And uh, so I'm like, so we have this like Matt Pendleton, who you should have on this podcast because he's yeah, a he fucking, was on your podcast. He's, yeah. he's, a, he's a gem of a human being. I live with the guy for a while, but like we have this kind of big brother, little brother, fucking uh, relationship. So I just bust his balls all the time and. We were lined up, and I'm like, all right, stagger out. You can get a drink. And Matt's the only one that goes and gets a drink. Matt's a purple belt at Academy, teaches, you know, tough kid, awesome. You know, I'm so thankful that I'm he's my friend and that he teaches the Academy. But I look at him and just give him this look. Like, I can't believe he's the only one to get in water. Which, like, it's just, it's so, like, just fucking around. And I see this kid who's training with us. He's, like, starting to take a couple steps towards the water. And I look at him. I'm like, Jesse, you can get some water if you want. And he's like... I'm not a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, that, and that was it. And that was it. And I'm like, that, the legend has grown. Defining right life moments oh. right there. But that's what it's all about. You go from not being able to make eye contact. Exactly. To, to, even <laughs> I'm if he, not a pussy. Even if he didn't mean it and he was just joking around, at least he's comfortable enough that's, to joke around. Now. That's yeah, perfect. And, and, and bust little balls. And he's... He's a 14-year-old kid training with men, and we're going to treat him like one, and he's acting like one now. Yeah. Yep. It's true. So you got a podcast. Sure do. Sharp Iron Society. Any of our listeners out there, if you haven't heard it already, you should go check it out. So why? Uh, so so what got you started in wanting to do that, that podcast and kind of like... You guys talk about a lot of different things, and sometimes it's jujitsu, sometimes it's CrossFit, sometimes it's world events or travel. It's a pretty good listen. But what you know, kind of, what was the idea getting started? Um, it's one hundred percent spawned from the academy. You know, like um, there's so many people in our academy that are just um, we have a, a real eclectic group. You know, we got Ron, who is if people don't know as much as shit as everyone gives him, you know, and tries to knock him down a peg. He's a really totally su- don't deserve it. Right. He's a, he's a really, he's a really successful composer. You know what I mean? And, and he's like, and mute, he's a, he as high level as it gets in the music industry. You know, we have George who by all rights was the biggest fuck up I've ever heard of ever. my whole life. <laughs> right there yeah. with the best but, of them. The but, but, now, but now is, you know, a, an ace of a guy, an ace of a human being, you know, I'm, Future of really, podcasting, right? Future of podcasting over there. I, I feel really thankful to know him. You know, we have, uh, you know, Al, who's been on my podcast, who's you know, a fifty-nine-year-old by all rights, multi-millionaire, really successful, had a ton of life experience. You know, um, this kid Corey that trains at our academies, one of the number one tattoo machine builders in the world. Like, fucking, what's that all about? All this excellence being drawn to you guys. Huh? But have you like, ever Google searched him, by the way? No, his machines are like who's got like you'll see like Reddit and like all kinds of like posts on on like oh I, I need a uh, I need him like what should I get but like well if you can get your hands on one oh he's a monster he's yeah, a crazy, monster man. like everybody knows who Corey is when it comes to the right. building these machines so, he's one of those guys that too like when you say I was there his first day and and I was like this guy will never 
Right. There's no way. Here he is. Years later. It. It's your years job later. to make them stay. I, thought he was I can't make die. anybody do you anything. You totally no. can. You inspire the shit out of him. He's them. a man who's going to do what he wants. Um, but there's there's all these times. Like, <laughs> I can't even make him eat macaroni and cheese, dude. Right. So there's just all these people in our academy that are like, that are that are just, it's it's a weird group, an eclectic group who are all, you know, they all have a story. They all have some kind of story. So I'm like, I'm going to fucking start a podcast and start talking to these people. So and then on top of that, one of the coaches at the CrossFit gym that I go to, you know, I really hit it off with. You know, we kind of had a lot of um, similar ideas. You know, thankfully he's, you know, started to do a little jujitsu on and off, you know, so we, he's he's come over the dark side. Um, but he's got a really awesome job where he gets to, and he, we're not really supposed to talk about it for legal reasons. Um, but his, he gets to meet a lot of really awesome people. And then, you know, the, the CrossFit gym that I go to, you know, um, there are really, a lot of really awesome people, really like, like eccentric people that just needed to have this story told. So that's where it came from was there's just all these people that, you know, had shit going on in little New Hampshire that people would never know about that needed kind of the story to be told. So we started this podcast, you know, we talked to, um, you know, just last, the last episode, we talked to a, like a real live, what a fucking act, active, beautiful podcast, that active is, yeah. duty, green beret. Holy shit. Was, oh, you got to hear this. And, one. and, and the dude, yeah. like same thing, dude, dude, the gem, you know, um, we talked do you guys, to, do you guys have like a manifesto for the podcast? I mean, it's it started as one thing. I think like all podcasts do, it started in one thing. It's kind of morphed into something else. Like we wanted it. Like the whole thing started. You know, Scott and I would go and get coffee and would talk about the. It started as what are the similarities between CrossFit Jiu Jitsu, and it just started to morph from there and roll and roll and roll. And then we were like, we get we got a couple of people on. You know, um, my strength and conditioning coach, really good friend of mine, um, T. Elliot Field. If anybody out there needs. Or, or or is thinking about doing some kind of strength and conditioning for jujitsu, um, you know, go to Ever Proven CrossFit's uh, website. Look up T. Elliott Field. I mean, he was he went to Buds. Um, you know, got uh, pneumonia so bad that they had to kick him out. So then he become a Navy rescue diver, and now he's you know CrossFit two level certified. He's going to UNH for health and wellness. Um, you know, real wealth and knowledge in the physical fitness realm. You know, um, I can attest to. Uh to these things, <laughs> he's he annihilated me right in He'll, a good way and am, an amazing. I had an amazing time when we went over there. I went and trained with him, and he put us through a thing, and it was uh, it was amazing. But but he and I have sat down and talked about like what are the things you need to do to be better at jujitsu. But if you if you want to get in, in any kind of physical condition at all, like go look him up and send him an email. You know he he wrote my program. You know he checks in on me. I send him videos if he's at the the. Uh, the gym when I'm working out, he helps me out and all that stuff. He's a, I mean, wealth, un, unbelievable wealth and knowledge right in Dover, New Hampshire. You know, um, talked to this girl Candace Creasy. Um, she was, she's like one of the only female fighter pilots in the world. Serious yeah. school instructor. You got to listen to this podcast. Right. Um, you have a bunch of great podcasts. That one is crazy inspirational. Yeah. Um. So then I mean, I had some crossover. You know, um, we talked to Philly Pete like you guys did, but about, I mean, kind of totally different things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jared's been on the podcast. Um, you know, we talked about some of my traveling that I've done, you know, like, so it just ended up being like, what are some interesting topics? And then we talked to one of the CrossFit coaches over there who is, uh, he's a, uh, he works in tech security. So like he talks about like, 
like just the crazy things that are happening online, you know, and shit like that. And then he's also a rugby coach, so he talked about, you know, the the nuances of rugby and things like that. So we, we cover a lot of topics, but it's all, you know, interesting people that just have a crazy story to tell. You got some pretty awesome uh, intro music too. Yeah, was, I don't know why, but how did we get shafted <laughs> on this? And they get the cool music, here's and we the, get the Calgon take me here's away the thing. music. I I don't mind the music on ours so much. <laughs> I am envious of the the uh, logo, man. It's a great Are you logo. Talking about the Sharp Iron Society, yeah, logo? dude, it's a great one. Uh, if it, Derek, one of the things you, you you said early on with the uh, with the podcast, um, see him brush over that topic. It's, it's a beautiful logo. He did. They have two of them now, but it's all good. Um, no, is that you were talking about having greatness? Greatness in your backyard is one of the things you said, right. and, and yet that actually does show up a lot with the way you talk with people. You know, someone like. Some of the people that you talk to are, are relatively well known. Some of them are really not, but everybody comes in the same way, you know. Yeah. Well, it's it's funny that I I point people towards your podcast all the time. Um, when they say shit like I, like I said earlier, I'd be like, I really get the feeling Derek hates me, and I'm like, go listen to his podcast, man. Like, go or or go fucking talk to him. Like, figure like. You know what I mean? Well, they don't. They, most people only see you when you're beating the shit out of them. Like they don't see you when you're when you're not teaching. You know, so the uh, so I feel. I mean, I feel like Good Jack. So you're looking at me like I was like, "What, dude? What did I do?" My boy Jack, the dog sitting next to me. He's, he's uh, presenting. Belly, he's presenting. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I sit too, generally. So I feel like, and this is what I think. I think. You know what? It, I I like to think like, why do I do this podcast? What have I learned from it, man? And I've feel like I've learned this thing about life or jujitsu from doing these podcasts. But like, so I, you know, Derek invited me over to do the, to be guest host for uh, Jared Wiener. And it was like, man, it was awesome. That blew my mind. Like, just like the ones we do. Like, I feel like I've learned, what do you, do you feel like you've learned like one theme through the whole thing? You know what I mean? Or like. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think a couple of things. One is that, you know, people are a lot more resilient than they give themselves credit for. You know, people can go through a lot of shit, like Elliot going to Bud's and getting fucking pneumonia so bad that they fucking had to stick a fucking <laughs> an, 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 an anal probe up his ass on the, <laughs> on the on the fucking middle of Coronado Beach, and he couldn't remember it, you know, shit like that. Wasn't he, like, walking around with it or something? And yeah, they went. Sticking out. Yeah, no, well, they put him on the, ho- like, in the, um, the infirmary or whatever, and he was sitting there in, in the the bed or whatever and they're like all right you can go now and he went to get up and walk away and he fucking it was still stuck up his ass <laughs> but between shit like that and then like candace um i mean all the shit she's been through but she like fucking hiked denali and all that shit and then i mean that's one thing the other thing too is and i would say the last one really affected me a lot was um this guy who uh you know, we had to give him a code name because he's active duty and green beret and he was talking about what was the code name Codename Sam. That's what we called him. Uh, I mean, like Uncle Sam, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but uh, one of the things he said was, like, he kept saying over and over again, like, he was, like, he's talking about his life, and he was, like, um, you know, I went and did, you know, my six years of full-fledged active duty Green Beret, and then he went to the Reserves Special Forces, which the Reserve Special Forces aren't, like, you know, the whole one week in a month, two weeks a year type deal, you know, like it's like you get deployed, you know, you still, you know, he goes to, you know, uh, Green Beret sniper school and all this shit. 
But he kept saying, you know, as a healthy American, I need to do for others. He kept saying that as a healthy American, I need to do for others. You know, he kept, he and and he kept saying that. And I, you know, I talked all and like, so I was like, what? You know, like, am I doing? And and the other thing he kept saying was like, all the best stuff happens when shit gets weird. You know what I mean? <laughs> like and like, but he was like, and he and it was ran the gamut from being on a mountaintop in the Philippines, having to eat bat, to driving overnight to Las Vegas. The night before he was gonna get deployed and getting drunk and hanging out with fucking Mike Tyson, you know what I mean? Like that's that's the shit he talked about. And he was like, you know, you gotta get out of your comfort zone. You gotta get out of your comfort zone. All the stuff, all the best that happens out of your comfort zone. And if you're able to, if you're healthy and young, you need to be of service to people. So that's one thing that I've really been thinking about later is, you know, and and I'm not good at it. I'm not get. I'm not good at getting out of my comfort zone. You know, I, I get complacent. I you know, I go and I teach and I do my job and. um I think you're doing a pretty good job of it. I mean, now I'm I'm trying now. That I'm, I've made a concerned effort to get out of my comfort zone, but and and I I hope that being in a jujitsu teacher and teaching jujitsu is being of service to people. But I'm thinking about what can I do more. You know, I'm. I mean, I haven't told many people this, and I mean, I don't know if it's going to happen. But I, I applied for a job to be part time PD someplace. You know what I mean? And uh, I don't. I mean, I don't know if it's gonna happen. You know, and I think I think I'm a, a little late to the party this year, whatever. But that's something I like to do. You know, what I mean, like I, I see the way I have a lot of cop friends. I see the way that the cops that law enforcement is treated in the media. And, you know, some of it is deserving because there are some bad cops out there. You know, I feel like I'm it's a lot of good ones though. Yeah, there are a lot of good ones, and I would like to be another good one. You know, I, I I'm aware of the fit the fact that. Uh, when you're a, a cop, you're 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 interacting with someone that might affect them for the rest of their life. You know what I mean? And that's got to be handled, you know, lightly. Or or, or you got to you got to realize how heavy that is, you know. And but I want to still keep teaching jujitsu, and I really don't want to go live at the police academy for 16 weeks. So the the alternative is, you know, be part time somewhere. Right. So that's kind of that that's something I'm I'm pursuing a little bit. You know, um, the podcast gets me out of comfort zone. I fucking hate small talk. I fucking hate it. I mean, I don't want to have, you know, how's the coffee today or fucking whatever. I want to have good conversations with people. So that's something that I've been trying to do is and, and, and kind of master that's, that. That's another one for any of you listeners that train at Port City or other academies like the darkness hates small talk. He doesn't hate you. <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing, like, well, the fucked up thing. So, like, my my best friend. Josh, he's been on the podcast. He's one of the first ones to be on the podcast. The tiny dancer. Um, <laughs> but I, I mean, I met him because of jujitsu. You know what I mean? Um, but one of the things that's awesome about Josh is because he's been Korean military. He's been stationed all over places. I can remember going into a bar with Josh, sitting at the bar. I'm on one side of Josh. There's some stranger on the other. He strikes up this conversation with a stranger. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking to this guy? Come to find out he's got this crazy fucking story that I never would have known because I hate small talk. You know what I mean? So you kind of navigate the small talk to get to the bigger picture. And that's something that, I, I mean, like I said, small talk is uncomfortable to me. I fucking hate it. But if uh, if it if it gets you to a, to a bigger picture and some, you know, the meat and potatoes of the conversation, it's kind of a necessary evil. You know what's interesting about that, about the, the whole story for why you started the po- podcast and talking to the people and the experiences that they've had? And I kind of... Our podcast is different in the same and and similar at the same time in the way in that you get to understand 
perspective. And it's not only you, you might learn something from someone else that makes you change your perspective on something, or you're just getting someone else's perspective altogether. And it could be on life, it could be on whatever, but you're, you're hearing a different way of looking at things than you might have looked at things that day. And that's pretty cool to sit down and be able to talk to people about, whether it's small talk, because it, 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 it leads in different, in, to different topics. Like It's not like we had a plan for the conversation today about where it's going to go. But it's fucking pretty interesting shit we're talking about, and I think it's you. It's a conversation always about perspective because they're living a different life than you are, and they're handling and they think about things differently. And that, and you get the perspective through their stories, right? Like they tell their story, and all of a sudden you understand something about them. It's not like that guy he, he did this in Singapore or that, and he. Was it Mount Kilimanjaro? It was something different. Denali. Yeah. I was yeah, listening, yeah, yeah. and I swear. Yeah, yeah. But. It's not that what you walk away from isn't isn't necessarily the incredible places he's been and things he's done. It's the it's the perspective he has on the back end of that that is the powerful part of the story. And you don't get that like that's a really cool thing about the podcast is it gives you a venue to gain perspective. Right. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, I mean, uh, I mean, I don't even know where to begin with this, but like, just I, I mean, I feel like. A lot of what's wrong with the world today is everyone's looking to do their only considering their own perspective. You know what I mean? Like, we, I mean, now that Ron's talk gone, we can talk politics we a little can talk bit. Normal <laughs> stuff. But uh, but I mean, I feel like you know, a couple of years ago, probably before I would have started this podcast, you know, I would have looked at all these people having freakout sessions that Donald Trump got elected president. And we've been like, those motherfuckers, they're fucking pussies, you know, they need a man up, life goes on, yada, yada, yada. But because of the podcast, because of some traveling I've done because of the podcast and, you know, being fortunate enough to, to have that opportunity, I kind of look at it like, you know, why are these people freaking out? Is what they're freaking out valid, you know, like, and try to think about those things. And, you know, some of it definitely is, you know what I mean? He, he Donald Trump fucking disparaged and fucking marginalized a, a ton, a group, like a real group of people. And I think that one of the scariest things about Donald Trump is, you know, he's almost says one thing and does another you know what i mean so it's he's a wild card right he's a super he's a real wild card and i I mean i feel like that that's like the the scariest thing about him is the future is so unknown about what donald trump the the direction donald trump is going to lead this country in people don't know what they're going to get right and and i can respect being concerned about your future you know what i mean and and a lot of these people you know they might not they might not know they're not might not be and i'm not going to try not to generalize too much but these people might not be well adjusted enough to know how to deal with the uncertainty, but you can't disprove or 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 or, or uh, I don't even know what the word is, but but you can't you can't say there's no uncertainty. There's definitely some uncertainty. You know how they're handling it might not be the most appropriate or productive way, but you can't deny that there's some uncertainty. There's definitely some uncertainty. You know what I mean? And and I respect that. And I I think. A lot of that perspective has come from talking to people on the podcast, listening to a lot of podcasts, you know, traveling. You know, that's one of the reasons that, like, I wasn't really interested in traveling. You know, um, I have a really good situation where my wife needs to travel and her work is, you know, uh, gracious enough to, to if as long as I pay my own way, allow me to go with her. So that's mm-hmm. how I got to go to Thailand. That's how I'm going to get to go to Peru. Like, she's got all these business trips lined up. 
that I'm, I'm going to try to go on as many as possible. We don't have any kids, and I try to keep my life overhead as little as possible so I can do these things. But I didn't really want to travel until I talked to this girl, Candace, who has lived and traveled all over the place. She's in the Navy, you know, and stuff like that. And she was talking about how, like, everyone in New Hampshire has known everybody since they were 12. You know what I mean? Everyone's got, like, oh, this is my friend so-and-so. Where if you go to California, it's like, oh, this person came from here. This person came from here. This person came from here. You know what I mean? Like, right. it only behooves you and gives you perspective to see these other places and see how other people live. You know, there were so many awesome things that I experienced in Thailand that, I'm like, oh, it's it, it's a lot better here in those aspects, but there are a ton of aspects in Thailand where I'm like, oh, this sucks, you know what I mean? And and but all that does is give you a little per, bit of perspective on how you live your own life and what's going on around you, you know, and get you out of your bubble and get you out of your comfort zone, right? And I I I love traveling, and you get and you do, it it's way out of your comfort zone. Even if you you could go to some place like. You know, you go to Thailand, a lot of the people are going to speak English, but that's only the cultural chain differences between what you're going to experience. And I've never been to Thailand, but, like, I'm just assuming culturally it's so different from what you're used to. And so navigating that and trying to behave in the right way and still, you know, find your way into into having the getting to experience that in the, in the best way that you can while still be, be respecting of the culture because, like, there's nothing worse than going to another country and expecting them to do things the way that you do. I think that's basically the most idiotic and and self-centered way of going about travel and in talking to you and kind of seeing pictures and, and talking to you about the things that you're done. You're like, I'm going to go experience the culture there and I'm going to do it their way. And you know what I mean? And I and that's pers- that is how you gain perspective, like live your life in a bigger way and you'll gain perspective and. You figure out in that way how to, like, going back to the earlier conversation, like, it gives you a better idea of how to handle yourself and deal with stuff when when shit doesn't go your way. Like, you figure out where your bootstraps are. You know what I mean? And that's the biggest problem I have is with people, like, you can say, you know, like we are talking, like, I'm, I'm not going to say anything about an eight-year-old kid being upset about things. Like, you know, and I don't blame But if you're a grown adult, you should know where your bootstraps are. That if shit doesn't go your way, you should know how to pick yourself up. And I think perspective is the only way of really gaining that getting outside yourself a little bit and i mean i don't even know if i would say um like i mean i I agree with you but i think one thing going along with finding where your bootstraps are is also know how long those bootstraps are you know what i Mm. mean it's it's not it's uh it i think it might surprise some people how long they are and it might surprise some people how short they are you know what i mean and it's okay that they're that short but you, you know um it's okay, dude, to ask getting, for help. Getting some help you know? is not, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. not, not a bet. Like, a ton of people helped me along the way. You know what I mean? That's, I wouldn't be where I am. I don't think there's anybody that's like, you know, people talk about self made, but I've, I mean, at least for me, I've had a lot of help from all kinds of sources throughout any. And I, and I try to tell my daughter, who was young, very young, she's afraid to ask for help sometimes. I'm like, dude, ask for help. Try to do it, and don't you know if you can't do something and someone's there to help you, ask for help. It's okay. People are there to help you. She's around a lot of tough people, a, <laughs> lot, of the, a lot of the time. Right, but you know that's something. So I've been thinking a lot about that. But you made me think of something that I heard coming over here. I was listening to the radio coming over here, and it was a guy. It was a, two people that I think do a podcast on politics, um, and and they go around, you know, asking 
interviewing people at political rallies and the guy's like, you know, kind of you'd think it would be kind of scary and, you know, and uh, ask. And, and he's like, it's always better than what I envision in my head it would be like. And he's like, I think it's because when I at, when I'm when I'm there for this inst- and he's like, I always greet him with a smile and I say, hey, can I like interview you? But I always he's like, instead of like having a conversation where I'm trying to change their mind. He's like, instead, I'm having a conversation with them to try to understand what's going on in their head, you know? And there's like two, that's, that's, there's a big distinction between those things. And I feel like if you're looking at Facebook right now, there's a lot of conversations that are, I'm trying to change what you're thinking instead of like, I'm trying to find out what you're. I don't know who said it. Oh, no, no, I know exactly what it is. Dave Camarillo. Who, if you don't listen to his podcast and you do jujitsu, you should listen to Position Impossible. Position Impossible. But he said, and one thing that it, it stuck with me, and I used to do it too. I mean, I know I've done it to Jay. You know what I mean? And it's just because I was dumb and young and didn't know what was going on. But there's a huge difference between asking a question and questioning. Yeah, there's a huge difference, and you need to realize that. Yeah, I think the ego gets involved when. If you're really, if you're going to be a tough guy, especially if you're trying to pull yourself up by your bootstraps, if you're doing all these things, looking at reaching out to someone else can, especially to your own ego, be seen as a, a form of weakness. Like, I can't figure this out, so fuck, I guess I just fucking have to ask this fucking guy, right? That's, the whole situation's pretty much pre-fucked at that point, you know? <laughs> like, and there are a lot of people that if you reach out and try to help them, will will perceive that as an insult where you know if george uh, whatever reaches out to me and i'm like well what you don't fucking think i can do that like then that situation is also pre-fucked right and i think it I, i'm not gonna blame it on for whatever it doesn't matter but no, there's, we can there, blame it on george well, there's, there's no, no nothing is fucked here <laughs> there's a there's like a cultural thing where in a lot of cultures the plane has crashed into the mountain we're, we're in a bunch of cultures, uh, people who are experienced and have lived life and are maybe not very strong anymore, they're, you know, 90 years old and they're just sort of walking around really slowly, are revered. And, and you're going to those people going, hey, man, you know, give me some experience off that, off, off, let me hit off your experience because I know that I'm going to have to go down that same road. There's something about the American culture, which is like super achieving all the time and I'm going to win, which is cool. And obviously I, I love it. I'm a part of it. But it, it, you kind of re, you don't want to face the idea that someday you're going to be older. Someday you're going to not be as strong. Somebody, no, I'm just I'm going to get fucking strong. I'm going to get older. I'm going to get fucking HGH or whatever. You know, you, you re, like you were saying before, there, there, things are at, at opposites sometimes. Like the, the losing weight and getting strong are not necessarily the same thing. And I think in the end, seeking that experience can be really difficult. I think that, um, you know, I think that everyone in this room, and maybe not Ron, because, and don't take this the wrong way, that you started jujitsu or later in life. Yeah, of course, right. Um, but I think that, that that concept of getting old and not knowing how to navigate that is lost or that experience does not happen to a lot of jujitsu people, people who are, are, are have uh, assimilated and, and kind of emaciated themselves with jujitsu. You know what I mean? Um, I, Cause I know like my favorite people to watch in jujitsu are the howders, the megatons, right? The 
the Oceanders, Solo. the Salos, because they're all older than I am, and they're still doing it. And I don't look to them to figure out how to win championships. I look to them to still how to live that jujitsu lifestyle and live it till the day they die. And still be on the mat. Right. And I think that that's like, I can see that that, that, that particular perspective is lost on a lot of jujitsu players because jujitsu is a lifelong activity that you does always. I mean, I looked at Jim to figure out how to do that. You know what I mean? And uh, in some aspects, I mean, but I look at like, like I wouldn't have that conversation on a podcast, whatever, but I would love to sit down with Howder and be like, how do you do it? You know, how do you, how do you teach out of your garage and make art? And, 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 And apparently that's all you do. And how do you get there? Because I would love to have that life when I'm his age. You know what I mean? You know, Kurt Osiander, even with his mangled fingers <laughs> and his fucking two bum knees or whatever, is right. still teaching and training jujitsu at my dad's age. My dad Competing. could not do yeah. that. You know what I mean? So that's I think that that perspective is lost on a lot of it's it's a it's as it's a pro and a con of the jujitsu culture. You know what I mean? We, I, I don't I don't. I've, I'm like I said, it's that fear response. I have a fear response to a lot of shit. I'm afraid of getting old. I don't want to get old, but in that fear of getting old and not being able to do it anymore, I'm finding people who are still doing it, and I'm trying to follow their lead. That's a good point because I, I there are <coughs> like lots of young people that make it so like make competition such an important part of jujitsu, and, and winning and losing in competitions becomes so important to them. And they're, you know, like so early in the process of training jujitsu, like not from a like an ability standpoint, just like what percentage of your life are you through? You have this percentage left of your life. Like the concept of not being able to train is probably the scariest thought you can put in my brain is not being able to get on the mat anymore. And well, that and that. So what that what what that makes you think about. And you're right when you see those people that are all like it's. You know, Kelio Gracie trained until the day he died. You know what I mean? And, like, that was, that's awesome because that I want that to be me. And if it's not, there, that means that there's a day when I'm not going to be able to get on the mat anymore. And that's scary as fuck. I saw this awesome before. thing one time. I don't know who did it. I almost want to say that it was either, like, and this is going to be two, like, random examples, but for some reason they're popping into my mind. It was either, like, Neil deGrasse, Neil deGrasse Tyson or have you ever guys seen that um, documentary, The Barkley? The Barkley. Nope. <laughs> so The Barkley is this. And this is that has nothing to do with what I was going to talk about, except for I think it's an example in the, thing, <laughs> in, the, in, the in the in the documentary. But it's about this old guy who was a marathon runner, and he decided to do the he, he created the toughest marathon in the world, and it's like this like eccentric thing. Like you have to be invited to go, and there's nothing if you win. And you go the same route four times one way and then four times the other way. And then the last day you can either like, it's just fucked up, like weird thing. And like, they're like, well, why'd you name it the Barkley? He's like, oh, that's my neighbor. He's a good guy. So I named it after him. Like, it's, just, <laughs> like, it's just, it's, it's a cool documentary. And the guy that runs it is like really eccentric and awesome. And like, but whatever. I don't, I don't know if it was him or Neil deGrasse Tyson who did this thing, but he was like, take a tape measure. And mark every inch one to a hundred, and then color in the inches that you're alive. He's like, look how much you got left. 
He's like, and then mark down on that shit what you want to do for the rest of right. your life and fucking do it. Well, can you bring this around to, to question and questioning? That's what I'm getting at here because this is great. But, I mean, someone in that situation, when you're looking at a young person, you're looking at an older person, I think they're going to ask questions. Well, they don't have to, but many times. Jiu-Jitsu changes it. You set it right off. Like, if you go to jujitsu, you go and you're, you're fucking struggling for your life all the time, you're going to learn relatively quickly to ask questions. <laughs> you're not going to be like, well, Derek, what happens if the guy pulls out a can of mace? And, okay, what if he has yeah, two but, cans of mace? But, but no, you that's, get that. That's, that's, that's you, the wrong thing. You get that, though. When no, I, I know. Like I know. What, the what ifs. So no, I'm about talking about the people, who are, no, the people right. who are... But someone who's not involved in jujitsu, you can see, you can go through their entire lives continually like you were saying questioning rather than just sort of just going jesus help me a little bit you know i just feel like that's one of the times that jujitsu does come through with the whole ego thing where you I go mean, I think you, you apply, really got to put it away you can apply that concept to anything in your life stop stop questioning it and and ask the question well I mean, like right. instead of be like why the fuck is this happening to me I'd be like why is this happening to me? Yeah. I, Do you look, you, know I mean, I mean? you said you're looking up to, not old, up to, but you can find some value in someone who's been to the mountain, right? Uh, you can see, I mean, it, it just in regular culture in America, you're going to reject a lot of people that have been to the mountain. You know, that's that's the old way of doing it. Or, you know, those people. I, on, I honestly can't speak to that because jujitsu has tainted the way I look at everything. Yeah, that's, that's kind of the point. <laughs> you I mean, know what I mean? Like, I, I see old guys and I'm like, I mean, unless they're like, well, another thing that Jiu-Jitsu has tainted me, tainted me about is it gives you a real perspective about people. And there's this, you know, and you're, you're told to respect your elders an awful lot when you're a kid and things like that. And then when you do Jiu-Jitsu, for me, it gave, like I said, it's that lens that I see through things through. That you know, some dumb young people just grew up to be dumb old people. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> yep. and you got and and you really have to be real with what's going on and what the situation is. And that doesn't mean they're going to be dumb about everything, but they might be dumb for the majority of the shit they're talking about. You know what I mean? So it gives you a real perspective on who to listen to about what shit. You know what I mean? And and it's all about the fucking right questions to ask. Right. And and you end up you're absolutely right. You ask you end up asking yourself questions like how to get, how did I get myself into this? And I think jujitsu does do that. You instead of just you ask yourself why the same things keep happening to you, and then you like you can you can abstract that to what's happening off the mat to yourself. And you like you raise the example of like Chris Howard, like how you're you are you make art and you train all the time. Like how the fuck does that happen? Because that's you know. That's that's the kind of life. Like, how how do I do that? Because that's what I want. And, He's all over the world. Or He's in Baghdad right. or and something. It's, and it's and and it's because for him, he figured out. He asked himself enough questions, and and finally came up with the answer of of like how he wants to spend his time doing what he's going to do and wh- and how I'm going to plan it out. And it's I think it's other people that never asked those questions that did what people told them they ought to be doing, and that. And then they're they're sitting in a fucking box every day of right. the, every day of their you know their life. And then when they're sixty, they figured out this is not what I wanted to be doing. I want to go do something different. Yeah. And it's like they say, nobody said on their deathbed ever, "Oh, I wish I worked. I wish I worked more." Right. You know. Well, I, I, the someone's been just knocking in my head all the time. I forgot where I heard it. I wish I remember where I heard it. But but someone said, "What you say is 
what is what you're doing with your life. Like the words that you use to like you say, I hate small talk, right? You're kind of just practicing hating small talk. But we've been just sort of fucking small talking for about three hours and you seem relatively happy. So I, I'm not I'm sorry. I don't mean to call you out. It just feels like you're saying my talk is small. No, it, what it, I'm this, saying this is, is you, this is a meaningless conversation. We little talk. If you stop, <laughs> if you say something different, you know, if trying you, on purpose to hurt my feelings. Yeah, that's it. No, if you if you say it, if you say I really I'm looking forward to the big stuff. It's like that becomes more of your your reality changes. The way you talk does affect there's some, your reality. There's some self affirmation that goes on. Well, I mean, it's also your attitude. Well, I guess what I'm getting is jump to the idea of a question. If I look at George and go, well, yeah, well, what happens if this doesn't work? I'm I'm making my reality into this isn't going to work, not into it is going to work. I turned a question which could have solved my problem into let me tell you why this problem is going to continue to be me. I'm making my reality. I'm questioning you to make my reality sure that I will not solve this problem. Whereas if I look and go, Tell me how I can if get better. If you make this into a five rings thing, I swear to we're God, we're done. No, no. I, if I were going for comedy, I would have gone there. But right, no. But it's, the but right there, all all I got to do is say, how can I do this better? And I'm making my reality is now it's going to be better. Right. So I'm just really grooving on what what Derek said about questioning versus asking a question. There's a reason why that's, you that's question not, That's something. not an original thought, by the way. I no, I know. You said it was... Uh, you <laughs> came off... Regurgitated the like I can't claim it as mine. <clears throat> but it makes... But You can on this podcast. Because <laughs> we deal in misinformation. Right. Oh, but I, if, oh it, I know. <laughs> I just have been really grif- grooving on the idea of, of how, I, how I talk defines my reality. Yeah, I mean... I mean, there's, there's some, some, some woo-woo to that, but I think like... Uh, uh, I definitely think that for small stuff like that, it definitely. I mean, it's not like I'm like I'm gonna make a million dollars one day and someday gonna make a million dollars. No, but if someone looks at you and goes, if you're trying to show a thing, and someone's like, well, what, what, what doesn't? I'm gonna get arm lock. That's they're trying to look at you and go, this is not gonna work, right? I mean, that's a really obvious kind of point, but it, but those who question are going to get a negative result regardless of what you say. Whereas someone who asks a question, who can get their ego out the fuck out of the way and just ask, how do I get better at this? Is sort of pave, giving themselves a landing strip for excellence, you know, for just being good. Oh, yeah. It definitely increases your odds of you know, being successful. So then, why, the so then why, are, why are people looking at you going, why are people questioning? Why are people pushing off that stuff? Is that just ego bullshit? I mean, yeah, I mean, for me, when I definitely when I used to question instead of asking questions, it was totally ego based. You know, what I mean, like we were talking about, like Jay mentioned, uh, you know how I mean, the, the mat is a microcosm for life for sure. Everything that you do on the mat is magnified. I, I feel anyway, magnified off the mat, you know, tenfold or whatever. And I can remember showing up and talking to the fucking G bird. And like he would like I can remember vitamin G. He would just be like, 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 oh, like I forget what we were talking about, but he was like, like in his roundabout way talking about how I was just a bu- you know a bruiser and a bully on the mat, whatever. And I can remember saying to him, you know, like I'm not here for anybody else. I want to beat everybody. I'm only here for me. I'm doing. You know what I mean? And 
that's the way I was off the mat. You know what I mean? I was, it wasn't, didn't matter what you wanted. didn't matter what, you know, it was, you know, what do I want to do now and how am I going to get there? And because of jujitsu, I mean, that was when I was a white belt, you know what I mean? And it's changed so much. Like I said, like that aspect of my, it's, it's, I'd like to think that it's not there. I mean, it probably rears its ugly head every now and then where I'm going to do what I want to do and it doesn't matter. That's human though. But I would like to think like in those kind con- like going back to those conversations, being of service to people and getting out of your comfort zone or whatever has taken over more. You know what I mean? I I'm and quite honestly in that situation, I put myself in worse in bad situations on the mat all the time. And I sacrifice my training for my students trainings all the time you know what i mean I, and like i said the the mat is a microcosm for life this is gonna and it's magnified when you get off that mat you know what i mean so if you're a selfish training partner you're probably pretty selfish off the mat you know what i mean if you're scared on the mat you're probably scared off the mat quite a bit you know what i mean right. if you're overconfident on the mat you're probably overconfident off the mat you know what i mean like the way like like i said i was i reserve the right to judge until i roll with you right because the way you do jujitsu and the way you train jujitsu is probably a pretty good indicator of the type of person you are fucking a (laughs) fucking Strong are, are, are men you, uh, also are you, cry. George, are you are you thinking, man? I just lose all the time on the mat. <laughs> Fucking Riddler, man. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, that's the. I just, it's like you could look George, in my you're, eyes you're and see what I was thinking. You're a monster on the mat. You realize. You're oh, and I'm a monster the, in real life too, Riddler. Um, <laughs> it's true. Yeah, man. I mean, right. I think you George see and I somebody can who can't right. deal with, you know. I th- and I and I think it goes both ways too. Like it even goes the other way. If your fu- your fucking outside life is in turmoil, you can bring that shit into the mat too. Sometimes and you got to work it out. And like, or at least I feel like that. Like sometimes, like I'll train, and I'll think like, well, fuck, why was I like that? And then I look and I'm like, well, you know, the whole fucking day was like a total fucking, you know, everything's a clusterfuck around me. And that's I kind of brought that's it what your to team's for. I mean, brought it. Yeah. I brought it to the the mat, you know, and work it out or something. You know what? It's an interesting point, and there's a right way to do that and a wrong way. Like by all means, bring your shitty day on the mat. That's fine. Let it dissolve between your own ears, though. If you come and you spill that shit out on the mat, I will get so fucking pissed. And I hate. I've yeah, always right on, hated right when people do that. They take their bad day and they spill it all over the mat so they fuck with everybody else's day. If you just keep it between your ears and you have a good day of training, you you can probably dissolve it out on your own and you'll leave feeling better than you started, just like Derek was saying. But if you I, spill it out on the mat and try to ruin everybody else's day, I don't see it very often, but it's like you get tapped and like and you're throw a pissed. temper tantrum. You throw a temper tantrum because you didn't want to get tapped and you were probably rolling harder than you should have with the wrong person. You should have gauge the way the role was going a little bit better. There's people that you can go hard with. Like when we train, we can bang all day long and nobody nobody is feeling bad about it. You know what I mean? I think uh, a lot of that though too is like I feel like that that like dealing with that and and dealing with people bringing their 
you know, their shit onto the mat is a responsibility I've taken on as an instructor because I've definitely, like, I can tell that someone's having a bad day on the mat and, I like, I'll switch my whole game plan up for class just to deal with that guy's, you know, bad attitude. You know what I mean? And and the other people in the class might not realize what I'm doing, but, I, I, I mean, I, I do it all the time, you know? Like, you know, and, and, and I try to look at the person know that person i mean that's a like and that's how the beauty the beauty of our academy is you know we can line up everybody in our academy and i can be like this is what you need to work on this is the type of person you are this is what you need to work on this is type, and i can go down the whole line so when i see someone bring that shit on the mat i'm like all right this is who this is this is how i know they react to shit this is like I, i have some insight into their personality whatever this is what they're doing how do i address this situation right now and it may be they need to roll with me and then the next five best guys in this academy so right. they can get they, it out. They, they can't bring <laughs> that shit on the mat because they're going to fight for their life. Or I might need to take that person having a bad fucking day and stick him with brand new white belt that doesn't know anything and make them help that guy. So they take their mind off their own problems because they're too busy trying to help this kid. You know what I mean? That's awesome, man. I, That's I, a- I, I try and, and and it may not switch. I mean, but I mean, if it's if it's that bad, I'm like, all right, no technique today. We're just rolling, or we're not doing any rolling. We're just doing technique, or we're only doing these techniques, or I'm going to put you in a bad situation. Then this is where we're going to roll from, or I know you're good at this shit. So that's what we're gonna do today because I know it'll build you, it'll it'll boost you up a little bit, you know what I mean, and, and make you happy because you're not doing stuff you're bad at because you did stuff that you're bad at all day, you know what I mean? Like, right. That's the way I try to run, or, or that's the way I try to 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 that's the try to that's the relationship I try to have with the guys in the academy is like I said, I I try to give them what I think they need that day, and I'm not always right, you know what I mean? I've I've fucked that up real bad a couple times, <laughs> but but but. <laughs> I don't see how that could go south at all. Like, <laughs> but I like to, I like to say that I'm fucking you know you know got a winning record at least. Nice work, right? Yeah. So what you're saying is throwing the medicine ball at people is not the right way to do it. No, but I've kicked that fucking bounce ball at people before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know that. Jesus. <laughs> Took Johnny Pants off his feet one time. Awesome. <laughs> He's bouncy. Wow. So what are you going to try to do next, man? I mean, you said you're going to try. You're thinking about, or you, you know, maybe becoming part-time police officer. Like, what, what's, uh, what's? I know you always got ideas rolling around up in there. Um. So, uh, I don't. I mean, I don't know how it's going to. I mean, keep doing the podcast. We've kind of taken a little bit of a hiatus just because of summer. It was hard. Um. I mean. I mean, I think one of my one of my biggest problems is that I have ideas all the time, and I don't like. I'm like, I'm gonna do this for a little bit, and then I'm like, oh, then I got this idea, and I kind of spread myself too thin. Um, you know, uh, I'd lef- definitely like to do the the, the part time cop thing, um, just to get out of my comfort zone and 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 be a service to people. Um, you know, I'm not opposed to maybe opening another academy somewhere else. You know, far enough away so it doesn't compete with our business now, but you know, and kind of spread real jujitsu, you know, somewhere, um, and, and focus on that and try to make it more of my life. Um, Elliot and I have, you know, got together and we've 
talked and and things like that and come up with like a strength and conditioning program for jujitsu athletes that we've written up that's kind of in the works kind of falling by the wayside you know um so that's always you know something definitely want to keep traveling and, and and see as much as i can Every, anytime i travel i bring a gi with me so i try to go and, and train i train in thailand a bunch train a bunch of jujitsu um something so something just made me think of that i wanted to talk about real quick before whatever is like you're sponsored by Showy Roll, and like you've gotten to, like you've been down for you taught at Mission Twenty Two yeah. seminar, yeah, and something else too. Like I taught a couple, or well, it was like a technique, and then a couple things off it um, at the uh, Showy Roll World Clan in Philadelphia. You know, that's like um, <clears throat> before you go any further and asking questions. You know, like I, I hope he listens to this, and I hope he likes it, and I hope whatever. But like, I owe a ton to Jared. You know. As much as I owe to every other black belt that's had an effect on me, you're talking about Jared Wiener, Jared Wiener, Jared Wiener at, at, at BJ, yeah, BJJ United. Um, he's given me a huge opportunity to to teach in, at his academy a couple times, and you know he's supported me, and and I know that he'll. I mean, we talk almost every day in text message, whatever you know. Um, and he's one of those guys where like talked about this. If you want to listen to the podcast that we did with him, but. No, he and Kenny, the reason that I started wearing show your roll back in the day, you know, I'd show up and they were wearing show your roll gis and I'm like, that stuff's awesome, you know, and then I'd I'd try to get my hands on it and wear it as much as possible. And I've been wearing it since I was a white belt. And then as a black belt, the guys who own show your roll were like, we've been wearing this stuff for the past nine years. Do you want to be on the team? You know, I've never won anything that's really to talk about, you know, um, and I'm I'm not a a real big name in jujitsu, and these guys they they asked me to be on their team, and as far as I'm concerned, they're the best gi company in the world, you know. So and it's it started a little bit with Jared, and has kind of come full circle, and and has come back to an awesome relationship between Jared and I. So, and that podcast that you did with him, I mean that I was thinking walking around thinking about the stuff we talked about for. Two weeks. Yeah. It was George was a I know you said it before earlier in the podcast, but George was a, a guest on that podcast, like a guest host. And uh that was a fantastic, fantastic episode. It was great. So anyway, sorry to derail you, but what was your, your thought of him? Um I really liked it. <laughs> <laughs> you remember remember that podcast well, oh, you did? Wow. Remember that remember whole that remember that whole future of podcasting awesome. thing? <laughs> Can um, I, I, we're, I? Obviously, we're, we're starting to get a little weary here. Let me ask. Look, I just a question has been kind of bothering me the whole time. If you don't want me asking, you just blow me off if you want. But do you feel like um, it's probably going to be a good option? Do you feel like <laughs> the? Uh, do you ever see yourself competing? Do you feel like that's something you want your students to do? Where? It's funny, like the, the is it the format of competition? Would you? How do you feel like competition's going to go in the next couple of years? You know, how do you see this? What? Talk about competition for a minute. I think that uh, uh, a couple things about competition. One is I don't feel like I was confident in my jujitsu until I was a black belt. You know what I mean? And quite, I'm, I'm not blowing smoke up my own ass. And I, I hope it doesn't come off this way as being arrogant. But when I was a brown belt, I was probably one of the best brown belts in the world. And I just never competed. You know what I mean? I feel like as, at brown belt level, because there's a huge difference between brown belt and black belt. Um, I feel like I probably could have beat any of the other brown belts at my level when we were all brown belts. And I just didn't, I wasn't confident in my technique. You know, I think, um, it was, you know, uh, 
a product of the way I was training or something, whatever. Um, so I really didn't feel like I was confident until I was a black belt. Um, compete, I've competed once as a black belt, did really well. It was kind of my, um, it was it was a validating experience. It was like, I, and now and now I know my jujitsu is good. Um, will I do it again if the opportunity came up that interests me? I would I would definitely compete. I'm not really interested in competing IBJJF too much, just because it's not really the format I like to roll in and and things like that. Um, I don't really force any of my guys to to compete. If they want to compete, I'll, I'll definitely help them as much as I can. Um, but one of the things that um, it's a, I don't like I said I don't, I don't, I've never had an original thought in my whole life so I just regurgitate <laughs> shit. But one of the well, things, well, neither does anyone else. But, <laughs> but, but one of the things that I've <laughs> I've heard that that really struck a chord with me is one is environment dictates behavior and rules that dictate skill. And I don't want to limit my skill or my behavior on the mat because of a specific a specific environment or a specific rule set. You know what I mean? Like in IBJJF. You're not allowed to do certain footlocks and things like that, and a lot of positions aren't legal for whatever reason. My feeling on that is that if you're the the black belt, means a lot of things when you when you put it on. And quite honestly, I still can't believe I'm a black belt. You know, I look at that thing sometimes and I'm like, how the fuck did this happen? But one of the things it does mean is you're an expert, and even. You're an expert in everything, and if, if that might be you're an expert of knowing when to tap. So right. don't make that shit illegal. You know what I mean? Don't. It, it, it's a, it, they're not uncommon positions. You know that that knee reap position isn't uncommon, and I understand and I respect those guys. You know Jared, who I have the utmost respect for in the entire world, competes IBJJF a lot and does really well. And I'm not saying that his skill level or his skills are dictated by that. No, in fact, it, it might even be bigger than that because he can compete in a number of different formats. Right, and he yeah, competes right. in, a no, in a number of different formats, but I feel like for me, I'm not worried about, I don't want to worry about certain rule sets, whatever. But the other thing, too, is I'm like I'm trying to be of service. Like I said, that's the one thing that's really, and I'm not, and I don't feel, and I'm, and it's not a, uh, it's a, it's a, a fault of mine. I'm not good at competing and coaching at the same time. I can't do it. I mean, right. I'm either exhausted from coaching and I'm like, I don't want to fucking compete cause I'm tired or I compete and leave it all on the mat. And I'm like, I'm not fucking coaching. Well, anybody what now. if it was on a different day? <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the question came I, out I of the, I, right. it, it's, it's, so it goes from being this right here where it's all stuffed into one day to being three days or to whatever. being three days of me worrying about all, so it's, it's three days of exhaustion instead of half a day of exhaustion it just feels it's it feels true. like a personality you know that's just what your personality is like well I mean, the, the other thing too i think one thing that 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 it's a uh, awesome thing that crossfit has done for me too also is um you know we, we talked about the, the pros and cons of crossfit i think one of the the pros that crossfit has done for me is that it showed me where I'm the healthiest. And I mean, I can remember I'm 240 now. And I mean, there's, I'm, I'm maybe not, and I don't know if that's a, it's a, it's a, it's a thing of age because I haven't been this heavy in a long time ab- above 30, but I mean, I'm a little slower than I used to be, but I can remember when I was a purple belt being a 183 and, and feeling like shit, you know what I mean? So it's, I'm not, I'm in it for the long haul. I'm not in it to win championships. I'm not in it to, you know, I would, I would, and 
the guys that I look to that I really admire are, um, you know, Dave Camarillo. I mean, granted, he's a great, um, you know, competitor. competitor, but he's an awesome instructor. John Danaher never competed in anything his whole life. Awesome instructor. You know, um, Paul Schreiner. Yeah, he's been a good competitor and he's won some shit, but he might be the best instructor that no one knows about. Jared. Yeah, he wins everything, but guess what? He's one of the best instructors I know. You know, Roberto, one of the best instructors I know. A ton of these guys, they could never win anything ever, and I would still admire them, and they'd, they'd be you know someone I look at because they're, they're good instructors, they're best instructors. You know, it's one thing to be able to do. It's another thing to be able to teach. Well, it's interesting. The, the question came out of the idea that uh, medals are objective. You just either get them or you don't. Easy. It seems like your goal here is pretty subjective, and it may not be the same from year to year. But there's a reason why people are asking you to teach, you know, uh, part of the country away. And you're not, it's not because you have 22 gold medals and they're like, well, obviously you should get that guy. Like, I, I've always felt like pretty strongly that there are different skill sets. And that's one of the things that's interesting about Brazilian Jiu Jitsu because it's a relatively young sport where there's a lot of people who've won a million medals. And it does. It, there's nothing in there that makes you a good instructor. It, you could be. I mean, there's some fantastic high-level high instruction and all that. But learning how to teach something is a different skill set than learning how to break someone's arm. It, you need to be able to have one in order to get the other in this case. Obviously, if you can't compete at all, it's very difficult to be a thing. But you look at Bill Belichick and you realize that dude is just not going to you know, throw the football very far. So I think there, there are two skill sets. And so it's interesting to hear, at least I'm fascinated with the idea that your goals seem to be pretty subjective, which is awesome. You know, they're, they're endless rather than, well, if I get eight gold medals, then I can stop, you know, which is really locked out. Yeah. I mean, I think that's like when George asked, like, what was next? I mean, I think that that's, I mean, continuing to teach and, and, and teach as many places as possible, you know, like. I don't know if it'll ever happen or whatever, but, you know, I'd love to go, you know, teach seminars in other parts of the country or all over the world, you know, and I've had a little bit of opportunity to do that, but, you know, I, I would rather be, make my, leave my mark on jujitsu as an instructor than a competitor any day of the week. Wow. That's a big statement, man. That's an awesome statement. It's beautiful, man. It's what this podcast is all about. Big statements. It's like a TED talk. Big <laughs> ideas. Big. <laughs> I think it's safe to say that George and I know that if it's true that what you leave on the mat, then you take it out and it's tenfold. We bring the sexy to the mat. And we leave the mat. I don't know what mat. I leave I don't know. Are you this. talking about the shower mat right now? No. I don't know what. No. <laughs> no. It's, it's something yeah. you obviously, well, whatever. The, the joke's falling to pieces at this point. So <laughs> I don't know what I bring to this, Matt. But um, thanks for coming on, dude. Thanks for having me on See, podcast, you took the podcast, Yes, you did. That was so professional. I, I lifted it up, and you took it. That was awesome. It's just like swinging at a pitch did in you the Little see League that? World Series, bro. Threw it up Boom. like a grapefruit, and you knocked it all the way out of that Little league size park of yours. Yeah, I, it is. I'm a, maybe I'm, a base hit. Maybe I must, a single. I must have missed that. Uh Maybe a single. He was yeah, looking dude. for an excuse to finish the thing. He's so yeah, this was cool. Shit. Like for me, this is this is awesome. Not only because we've been meaning to do this for a long time, but I feel like we don't get to sit down and chat that often anyway. We're like ships passing in the night. You know what I right. mean? So this is really cool to just sit and shoot the shit for a while. Do some, you know, hang out for much longer than we usually get the opportunity to do. So yeah. 
Cool, man. Thanks. Yeah, no problem. Uh, you know, I got to say thanks to George and uh, I'm going to blow some smoke up his ass. And, yeah. And Tortuga Soap um, helped the Academy a lot, has helped the Academy a ton, helped me a ton. Um, you know, Shorty Roll Kimonos for sticking me on that team. Uh, listen to our podcast, uh, Sharp Iron Society. Um, you can do a sh- just search Sharp Iron Society. It comes up. Um, you can hear me as a guest on the Sharp Iron Society. You can you if might. you want to, if or you can skip, or you can skip that episode, <laughs> or just mute out George's voice <laughs> and listen to Jared talk. Nah, there was another there, there episode was time when, when George was the only guest. Yeah, <laughs> all um, eyes on me. Uh, Ever proven CrossFit. That's where I do my strength and conditioning. Uh, like I said, look up T. Elliot Field. It's T. Period, and the T doesn't stand for fucking anything. Um, yeah, but he's awesome. Um, if you are all, if you're all, if you do jujitsu or not, but he does some jujitsu and he's experienced it, so he's got some insight on how to how to get you in shape for that. Um, I think really that's it. You know, my wife for fucking, uh, I don't know if she'll listen to this, but she, uh, she's I I couldn't ask for a better woman to be married to just because you know she supports everything that I do and uh, any harebrained fucking crazy idea she's <laughs> like go for it so. Uh, that's that's all you can really ask for is support. So and she gives me plenty of that. And then you know, thank thank you know, gotta thank Jared and all those guys and and Jay for starting this thing with me and and, and hell yeah man and, and tapping me out every day every Friday at Seacoast fucking a million times. I mean we even talk about that shit. <laughs> but uh, you know, and Pags you know and Roberto and all those guys that have given me you know have, have given me something priceless that I can't ever pay back. Keep the faith out there, people. It's all going to be okay. Be good. See you next time. Thanks. Peace.